Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Rugby Bits podcast. And my name is Sean. I'm joined by Cooks. How are you doing, my man? Hello, Sharky. Very well, thanks. Um, <laughs> Sorry, snuck up on you there. <laughs> yeah, snuck, snuck up on me while I was having some of my coffee. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, doing very well, thanks. Um, I think more because the, the Wallabies have dropped the comedy special of the year. It's coming out soon. You know, the journey to the World Cup last year. I can't, it's going to be better than any Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle. It's going to be top tier comedy. I mean, Ricky Gervais couldn't even, wouldn't be able to, to meet this, the levels of comedy we're about to experience. And I can't wait to see it. No, I agreed, agreed. Tyler will be joining us soon. He's having um, Cooks has sent over his laptop disease to Tyler. So he's just busy rebooting. So don't worry, Tyler will take over, take the lead as soon as, uh, as, soon as he jumps on. But Cooks, let's, and let's chat still about... Is an, and Tyler still is an asshole. But don't worry, guys, we come to nothing. That department <laughs> hasn't changed. No, it's as, long as, as long as he is, catches him by surprise that he still finds his art when he re-listens to the podcast because he obviously <laughs> can't hear now. Let's talk about rugby content. Um, you speak about, uh, personally, I am pumped to watch that, um, that Wallabies. Is it just on the World Cup? So essentially what um, Stan are bringing out, Stan Sports are bringing out a, um, a basically a, a, a not a chasing and falling and tripping under the sun episode um, <laughs> on the, of the Wallabies. <laughs> tripping over their croissants, but yo, there's, there's so much great content out there. Uh, the big gym show for me is, is a, is a great one. I love his podcast. He's, um, there's one out right now where he's chatting to Sia Khaleesi and next week he's talking to Andre Pollard, I believe, but I, I enjoy that. We've got the six nations one now cooks up full contact, full contact. That's on now Netflix. And then we've obviously got chasing the sun too coming. I mean, we're in, a great place in terms of content, huh? Don't forget whistleblowers as well. The ref, the, the, the ref oh, documentary. That's that going to be very is good. Going to, yo, I can't wait. So what I do, what I do like about these things is like the whistleblowers and and the and the Wallaby one. I think will start showing people differences. Like it, people have perceptions about people. Owen Farrell is another one. Sia uh, Khaleesi talks talks about it when he talks to. Um, Jim Hamilton, he says, I don't understand why people don't like him. And I think like it's, there's so much out there that we don't understand. The referee one is going to be incredible. It's going to leave people in a, a very interesting space because they want to hate the referee, but then they've heard about this guy's personal life and challenges and all sorts of other stories. And it becomes, you know, he becomes closer to you. He's not just the man with the whistle. Yeah, hundred percent. It's definitely going to humanize referees, which I think is very good. And, um, you know, rugby is such an intricate and complicated game and there's so many moving parts to it that I'm really glad that, um, that we're going to have con- this con- the content about referees, for example, and people getting to know them, you know, the backstories and, you know, the selection processes, what they go through, you know, the, the stress they get to, the mistakes they make and, and the, you know, the pressures they face. I think it's going to be great to know that. I think people have a greater understanding and appreciation of the refs. And also, I think also it's one of those things because people also kind of know what refs go through. I mean, we'll learn, hopefully we'll learn like how the selection processes work, how they look at laws. We can also judge them a little bit like fairer and harsher, but also we'll also have a, a better understanding of what they see. So we'll be like, oh man, Wayne Barnes said in this thing, this is what he sees, why is he not seeing it now? If that makes sense. So it feels like <laughs> I got you. It, it, works, yeah. it works both ways, which is very cool. I think, you know, it is a growing game and hopefully now, um, you know, World Rugby will allow more people to share this content and use World Cup images. Like we're, we're speaking about in the World Cup, the copyright issues. It's only holding the game back, but now documentaries such as these 
referees, um, everything uh, Jim Hamilton's doing, the Wallaby documentary, Chasing the Sun 2. It's about storytelling. The more stories you can tell, the more people can relate to the game, the more people fall in love with rugby, the more viewers and the bigger the game gets. And that's what you want to see. And I'm actually, I'm not telling tweeted about it, but for example, like Stan Sports, I'm still glad Stan Sports and Rugby Australia still wanted to release this documentary, even though it did not go the way they wanted it to go. It'd been, it could have been easier to pull the plug, but it's still good content. And to know, geez, this is what happened to a rugby side. Almost Imagine watching that and then watching Chasing the Sun. There was such a parallel to see like how things can go so fucking wrong and how well things can go, which is a good parallel Absolutely. for a normal sports fan. Yes, and it's great for the Wallabies because they've got the Lions coming up and then they host the World Cup in three years. So it's epic for them. Essentially what you want is you want that to be the platform to build on. And, you know, I mean, imagine they make the final or they win it. It'll be, it'll yeah, be incredible. Like they'll, there'll be so many of those players still playing, we hope. Um, imagine the stories they'll tell, you know. But, but I agree. I think the more stories that are told, the better. Jim Hamilton, he quite surprisingly has, is, is incredible. Like it's so natural and he's just chatting to the guys, but he does ask, he asks some interesting questions and he gets good answers. I think also because everyone trusts him, you know, he's not a mm. media outlet per se. So yeah, but looking forward to it. But there's been a hell of a lot happening. There's been a hell of a lot happening in the last couple of weeks with regards to player movements uh, leading into the, uh, the Six Nations, excuse me, and um, a couple of on and off URC games and premiership games and stuff. Before we get stuck into the Six Nations, we can chat a little bit about the Bulls versus the Lions this weekend. And the Lions, Cooks nearly pulled off a big one again. Jesus, oh, they almost stole it. Um, just went to the Bulls, I mean, it kind of was like... It, it, it kind of shows the, the, how good of a place the Bulls are in. I mean, to survive that Lions onslaught, not many sides could have managed to find a way to get the win there. But, I mean, the Lions are fantastic again. Nohamba is absolutely floating at the moment. I mean, he can do no wrong. And it's and the, the, what I love about him, Sean, is um, that dropkick of his, I mean, when he's it just shows the level of confidence where he is. He's almost back to the Nohamba we knew coming out of the 20s, um, coming as you know, the Sharks the freedom he's playing with. You almost thought you could see him getting more and more into his shawl and into his shawl and into his shawl as he wasn't playing as much confidence was going. But now, I feel like every game is getting better. Every game, you, you, you see him growing and growing out of his shawl and the Lions are sort of freeing him up to do that. And he's, he's, he's almost made that, he's made that turn jersey his now. You know, yeah. last, last year, we had, we had Jordan Hendricks uh, and we had Dax O'Jane Lombard and, you know, but no, but the way he's great and the way the way he's got the Lions playing and the freedom he's playing with is is amazing. And the drop kick to see that that's you know that's what you want to see. That's the Maverick team coming out. That's the Sunny Nohama that people fell in love with at the beginning. So I that for me was the that drop kick that was epitome of the, the, the current form he's in at the moment. That drop kick was wild. Um, for those who haven't seen it, go and have a little look see. But he gets the ball shaping to drop. He steps one, shakes off another, spins, and then drops. So. I look at that. I look at that from my point of view, from my poor rugby playing point of view. I'm like, if that was me, I would have done that because I would have been like, "Cool, I'm here to drop kick." Oh my word, there's someone coming. Let me get out the way, but I still have to drop kick. Like that's still <laughs> that's still in my head. You got to drop kick no matter what because that's what you're planning to do. Like I probably wouldn't be able to change change my mind very quickly. But 
Namba is like, cool, on a drop kick. Oh, there's a man. Let me step him. Oh, there's another guy who's forced me to do something else. Oh, look, the drop kick's still on. Let me slot it. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's almost like, I thought like, it's like, okay, cool. I could drop kick it. Okay, cool. Let me look out wide. Oh, crap. There's a guy here. Step him. Okay, who's a, oh, no force around me? Okay. Oh, flip. Paul's right here. Let me just drop kick. Let's take the three points. <laughs> I'm aware. It's so close. Let me nail it. Yeah, but... Oh, interesting. So obviously a lot of people chatting about Nahamba, he's in the form of his life, but I think a lot of things that I want to say, I think are a little bit unfair. A couple of guys saying like, oh, how the Sharks have sold him or how on earth was he playing behind? Um, I can't remember who, even who at the Sharks. But I think to be fair, he wasn't in this form at the Sharks. And the reasons why are very much debatable. Could it be the environment or was he not being allowed to, et cetera, et cetera. But he was playing well at nine and he only really came into it this season like really hitting it hard and i agree with you he's hitting that form that we all expected to see him take out of the under 20s he's had a few teething problems but what i find incredible is how a young man has stepped up and he's still now able to deliver he's like no one's clipping his wings or he isn't clipping his wings and he's just going ahead and doing what he wants to do and the big thing for me is he's what's he a 10 that covers nine <laughs> Because <laughs> it looks like that at the moment. Um, and at least, uh, yeah, at, he's... At it looks like Nahamba's auditioning. If it's, it's almost like going to go to the box to be like, okay, you guys have got a year to pick me. Or I'm going to the top 14. Because, or, yeah, like, or I'm going to the top 14 and be like, listen, I am the perfect nine for top 14. I can play oh. nine and 10 and I kick for poles. So and he'll play either, for France. Yeah, so he's either auditioning for the spring box or France. Either way, he's getting a cap shock in the next four years. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So we start a rugby bits podcast like we do. Well, if we remember, like we do any every other yeah. podcast, <laughs> we start with our first phase. <laughs> what a welcome in! <laughs> so first phase um, that um, I'm going to start with Sean to ask Kim is, um, oh, what really? is the? You have you said you have a song. I said I don't. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go anyway. I'll, I'll okay, I'll talk about who else um, about the replies that we got on Twitter then. So we want, so we asked people to describe your rugby team with a song, and I mean, first of all, I think I mean the Springboks have been pumping out adverts the last like World Cup cycle, if you want to call it that. This World Cup, or well, the gift that you used is from that. I think it was a thirsty water ad when they're playing like <laughs> orchestra. Um, <laughs> A horrible green screen, and they had Marcus Oma Pimpi playing the cymbals at the end. This is probably my favorite Springbok ad um, at the moment. Actually, probably a good first phase question as well. Um, yeah, it was just so fun and so ridiculous and so stupid and, and hilarious as well. So, yeah, especially the Mapimpi part. He, I, he, I, I've never seen someone so serious hitting the cymbals like that. Like, yeah, he's missed his calling as a as a fifth member of a band there. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> I've written down that uh, best Springbok ads. I've got a couple in my head already, I'm thinking. But <laughs> if I'm going to go with a song, I had to Google sad songs and Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You. Maybe, maybe that should be for the Sharks. Like, nothing compares to the old Sharks because they're not winning at the moment. They're not doing anything. This is a, horrib I'm, this is a horrible attempt on my part. I must apologize. <laughs> but I thought, I'd, I thought I'd start it low and then we can build up with the rest of you guys from that. <laughs> I had a flight from Durban today. So I got lots of time. <laughs> that was easier to listen time. to than me. 
<laughs> yeah, I had, I had 45 minutes to think about my song and I thought about the Sharks. It was a very sad um, <laughs> journey home. But my Sharks song is The Crossing by Johnny Clegg because everyone seems to cross the Sharks trial whoa, on this whoa, season. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's the Stormers song from two seasons ago. <laughs> well, it's gone really? to the Sharks now because the Stormers one was positive. The Sharks one, it's just everybody just crosses the, the trial line. It just, it, it just hurts. It just hurts. Um, <laughs> my, my Springbok song is... Um, Back-to-back by Drake, obviously, because, I mean, we were in back-to-back World Cups. And my Scotland song, because obviously with Finn, after Top Scotland, is Here I Go Again by White Snake, because I'm going to have hope again for another Scottish Six Nations campaign that's going to start off the same way. They're going to win two straight. They're going to go in a bye, potentially beat England after. And then, you know, we're going to be like, is this the year they finally win it? And then they're going to get blown, and they're going to lose to France in a very tight game. Ireland's gonna blow them. Ireland's gonna blow past them. They could lose to Italy, and once again, we ask, "What if?" You know, it's the Scotland recipe is the same thing year in, year out. And as White Snake goes, "Here I go again on my own." <laughs> Just rating yourself with <laughs> disappointment. No, fair enough. Um, Andre Hill um, pretty much nailed it um, with with his responses. So he's got pretty much, I think, the 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 best or the favorite team songs for the last like 20 years the um the sharks one um sharky i'll ask you about this one nine the what early 90s or mid 90s that shark attack song <laughs> bring some memories back and uh, i can remember them weren't they all standing in studio and singing <laughs> yep <laughs> oh that was it horrendous was so bad it that was, was good. A, that was a horrible time in rugby because everyone was doing these stupid songs like there was like wasn't it like a ten year period where guys where they were making songs, but the teams and <laughs> the players. Oh mm. no, stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah, I think they were trying to follow the NFL teams because they use usually had like a song, like they you also recorded songs and then yeah, I mean it, it was not really great from the NFL teams themselves, so it's not like we made it worse. But yeah, <laughs> maybe sports teams shouldn't be singing like ninety percent of the time. Oh, brilliant. They should never be singing. Never, ever be singing. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. Like, obviously, it means always great. It's like in the storm was, like you said, the crossing two years ago. That was great. It's the, the, my favorite thing about the, like, for example, the storm was the crossing is it's not the bad singing. It's the guys who actually thought they could sing and the effort they put into it. And, you and, see the same, really, and they're in the front <laughs> and they want to be seen. <laughs> yeah. And you see, like, you're like, they really try. Like someone like, like Jean Augustus, for example, from, he was a good, he's a good singer. So you could hear you could sing. But other guys, you're like, this guy really thinks he can sing. And they're like into it. They're like amped. It's almost like they were told they might get a record contract after this. Like, <laughs> like you might, they might, they might, like, they might have left the URS or Super Rugby then to a stranger to have a music career. <laughs> so other songs that um, Andre um, talked about was Province, Province, the Karikap Kum Vier, um, which, yeah, obviously, you know how much province is heard or storm is heard every time um the bulls guys do you remember this era when the bulls did that stand by the bulls song in number one the most one of their most horrible jerseys in that like 10 year (laughs) with the thunderbolt thingy two this was actually this was i think during our super rugby run i was like guys why? why 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 are we doing this this is not necessary so i I blame the senior but players for the CD. this term. But you bought the CD. I, I should have buy, bought the CD, to be honest. I'm not a real fan. Not a real fan. Sorry, man. Next. 
<laughs> then obviously Yakomi Boka is obviously a classic for Springbok fans. So when I um when we went to the World Cup, I was going with a group of friends to watch um the Scotland game. And the rule that we had, because we were sharing like a, a, a house together, was we had to play Yakomi Boka basically every hour. It it worked pretty well, I mean, to to psych people up, but yeah. You also I'm realize so that Leon Schuster Leon Schuster was I'm singing broke. for a long time yeah. in that song. It was like an eight-minute song. Tyler, this guys, this is my unpopular opinion. I do not like that song. I find it annoying. <laughs> like I, I can't stand it. It is like it, it is drives annoying. Me. From the first um harmonica, I'm like, oh for fuck's sakes. <laughs> like can you just get to the game already. Like <laughs> I hate that song with like Oh, it's draws. This I'm so glad I was I was on that trip with you. I, I, I think I would have broken someone's phone <laughs> <laughs> the third time it came on. Oh, brilliant! No, it's the per- I think it's the perfect team song because it annoys you, but it's only fun if you fully participate in singing it. You've got to commit. That's the thing. Is cooks you can't be that sour grape in the corner. You you eventually gonna it's either beat him or join him, and you'll join him, and then you have to commit. And then you'll be loving it because you can't half commit to these cuck songs either. You have to 100%. go all out. You have to. You've got to go and make a tit out of yourself because if you don't, you look like you're not committing. No, 100%. I mean, I do, but like after the sixth time it comes on, you're just like, okay. Like, I, wish, I just wish Leonster never actually sang. It was just you comedy book. I'm happy with that part. It's the singing in between. <laughs> Yeah, you're just like, okay, can we just get to the, here comes the box spot, like. Yeah, look, the lyrics are pretty trash. Um, see if I'll, maybe at the end, I'll Google them and just read them out for, for our international listeners. But yeah, it's it's Leon Schuster, who's a South African comedian. Um, in the 90s, everyone in South Africa found him funny. Not so much these days. Um, but he used to <laughs> basically sing in like Afrikaans and just like rhyme the team names with like basically calling them like offensive things that you would call people in the 90s as well. And that was pretty much the concept of the whole song is just crap talking the other teams and saying that the book are coming. So it's a pretty simple concept, to be honest. I mean, do you, tell you know what's the worst? You, the Bulls are actually the worst at a stage because you guys were obviously winning and then um, you just had all these flipping songs that you, you forced us to listen to oh, non-stop. Oh, Global. Like Deep Global. You guys actually gave Steve Hoffman <laughs> a career. Like, and, then, <laughs> and the thing is, the worst part about it is like, they're winning so much, so you hear it so often. You're like, you're like okay, yeah. Uh, it's quite catchy. The one I really enjoyed was, was the, was it? Mark Tibula, Almo Boca, like Make the Bulls. It's so <laughs> annoying, but they're winning so much. You're like, it, it kind of has a point. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys got so obnoxious with your winning, it drove like, and that was the peak of it. Like, like Mark Tiboka, like Mark Tibola, Alma Boka. Like, it's just like, yeah, do it. I mean, they got the only ones winning fucking Super Rugby titles. Like, you might as well just do it. Like, that's like that's for me. Is like I wish another South African team when they win, they need to have their own songs. Like, because the Bulls, you guys milked it. You, you then you then you then you then you hijack Cup Dane. Then you had Liffling as well. Like oh, you just Liffling. like. Like, that's the thing that, like, Loftus has had all these bangers and bangers and bangers and songs, some of them with the Bulls of Captain. So, you, like, you took your winning and just added songs to it and you was like, like, I mean, that was, like, peak Bulls. I think that as, as annoying and frustrating it was, you kind of knew when you went to Loftus, that's what you're going to hear and you want to deal with it because do, if, you want, if you want the music to stop, beat us. 
it's very simple. And, and as the Bulls kind of made it, like, you can, we can stop the songs when you beat us. If you don't beat us, guess what? We can still more current songs. No, and adding um, Tina Turner is simply the best. Flyers should have songs when they kick over balls. I mean, I know the Stormers play um, Money, Money, Money um, when Money Lebok slots in one. Um, so I think that should be a, a rule for every team in the world. When your kicker kicks over something, you need to have a song for them. Like maybe Pollard can be the one that takes over Galagata from Sean Pollock, folks. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I mean, I, I definitely think that we will... Yeah, I think with every... I love the rule, Tyler. Every 10 years of song, Galagata, we go to, to, to Pollard, a different type of poly. But, because um, I mean, like, obviously Sean Pollock has got the flipping rights to that song now, Puma knows his family. Um, I always remember when they get the song, you think of Sean Pollock, then you think of Mendoza, but um, maybe it's a patina for, 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 for Sean, for Andre Pollard. But I love the rule of every 10 needs a song for, for every time they start a kickover. What would Sanele Nohamba's one be? <laughs> I just hope they don't do the, the thing they do with Kaindini, find the one traditional song, like Costa song, and like, oh, like, let's not go down that path. He's didn't choose the song, <laughs> just like, hmm, African song. To you. Uh, <laughs> oh, guys. This brings back so many memories. <laughs> I do think Kwaka Smith needs his own song, though. Because I, mean, I tell you now, because I remember when Jacques Callis, New Year's test at Newlands, you're 20 for two, and you hear life is life coming out, him walking through, you just knew <laughs> everything's going to be okay. You just knew <laughs> everything was going to be okay. Kwaka Smith is on Comes ultimate the field, Super everything will be fine. He needs his own song where you're like, oh, my good. Like, you must be here from, like, like, even if you go to the bathroom, then you hear the playing, like, oh, no, Kwaka Smith's about to come on. Like, yes. Ah. The box are going to be fine. Yeah, I think we need, like, the WWE has, like, basically, like, a house um, musician that obviously writes and makes all the songs and ring entrances for the wrestlers. I think the Springboks need to employ, well, I mean, they've got Ngarimbe, I guess, on the payroll. So if he can make Sister Big, Sister Bettina variations for each of the each of the players. Then I guess that's something that could work for us. He must stay. He must stay wherever he is. He's done. He's done his job now. <laughs> you got to walk up. There's nothing more we need from Karimbe for the next for, for another four years. And <laughs> you cooks to say something. Okay, let's go into um, a preview of the Six Nations. It's starting this Friday. Um, with Ireland versus France starting it off in the Velodrome in Marseille, and we've got a we've got obviously two months of amazing rugby to look forward to. So what we're going to do is going to we're going to look through each of the teams. We're going to try to quickly go through at least some of the bigger squad changes they've made since the World Cup. You know who's retired, who's um, not playing for the national team at this stage, and then yeah, make discuss you know players that we're looking forward to watching, and then discuss how we think they're going to go in the Six Nations. So let's start with the Grand Slam champions, Ireland. So the biggest change for Ireland um, is, a, is effectively Johnny Sexton. He's retired. Finally, let's see. Who knows? Um, but yeah, at this moment, he's retired. So he's um, not in the squad anymore. Peter Marnie is, is, the, is the new captain. So if and not on the central contract. Like a, oh, yeah, that's, that's another matter. But... Just a shout out to the referees in advance. I mean, there's no Jakob Papen and Wayne Barnes, but all you younger referees, you thought Johnny Sexton and Owen Farrell have left. You're going to have Peter Marnie in your ear for the next few weeks. So good luck to you. Um, and the main changes or additions to the squad is with no more, with no Mac Hansen because he's injured, 
the likes of Calvin Nash and Jordan Lawman are going to be looking to get into the team. Um, you have Nick Timoney that's joining the loose forward ranks. Joe McCarthy, who was in the um, World Cup squad, but he's you know playing quite well right now, looking to break into the locks. Um, Jeremy Lawman might get a chance there at loose head um, from the bench as well. Sean, you know, I think what we want to do is also take stock post, you know, the World Cup. We know what happened with Ireland in the quarterfinal, unfortunately. And I was listening to an interview with Peter Marni with um, BBC, um, the the Rugby Rugby Daily podcast, and they were saying like, how do you check? How do you take the good of what you did in the last four years and learn from the New Zealand loss and not throw out the baby with the bathwater? So I kind of want to throw that question to you as a, as a starting point. Well, funny you say that. Um, Cooks and I were chatting off air, and I was saying like, how do you? <laughs> How do you get Ireland up for this? Besides the fact that it's a Six Nations, like for the last four years, they've been like, let's get up for the Six Nations. They start building that platform for the World Cup. Um, they beat they beat New Zealand in New Zealand, but now it's like, what what is the target? Four years time in a World Cup. It's it's eight years for some players, um, and it's it's weird. Um, very interesting. They're also, funny enough, the only side in the tournament that haven't named an uncapped player in their squad, as far as I can see. So a lot of guys with ones and twos. But yeah, interesting times. There's going to be a major, major shift because everything was being led from 10. So now as much, I mean, like, let's be honest, Jack Crowley's pretty handy and he's going to be starting. I have no doubt about it. But um, he's not really in that mold in terms of like leadership shouting shitting on everyone like he's still got a long way to go before he can do that so you know Mahoney's going to do it um and as you say how are the referees and everyone going to react because he's going to have to change the way he deals with referees just purely because he's always allowed to be the bad boy but he's not allowed to be anymore um interesting times but I don't know how how they're going to pick themselves up like how what is the motivation going to be is it about grand slamming to try and take that bitter taste of the World Cup out your mouth? Um, or is it really like, is Farrell good enough to get everyone to buy into everything now? Because obviously there's a Lions tour in two years, so that's pretty big. But then the next World Cup. So interesting times ahead. And to face France, who are in a very different boat playing at home, um, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think you can almost put the the Six Nations teams and probably also the other, you know, the rugby championship teams when they come back into two tiers at the moment. In the, are you, are you starting from scratch and maybe changing everything, putting in some debut players, you know, restarting things, or are you just gonna pick up from where you left off and it's just now about either finishing things off or just continuing a particular run and era of either players or coaches or whatever the case is. Clearly, Ireland is going for somewhat the, the, the latter of continuing with an era. But of course, as I think, Sean, you picked out Johnny Sexton, him leaving you know, is a big vital aspect of how they, you know, they, they, they run their attack, they, how they you know, control things and control the game um, on the field as well, tactically it's going to be a bit of a difference in approach with Jack Crowley. So Jack Crowley is definitely a player to watch, I think, in the Six Nations to see how he goes and how he handles that um, that pressure as well, whether the game plan changes with him. Cooks, 
the I think Sean has meant as you know questioned you know how how Ireland goes forward, but I think the main thing for Ireland now is just you know what continue with this run, see who's how you know who's coming along for the four years who's and 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 maybe start to slowly wean off the likes of you know the Amanis, the Furlongs, the Bur- Tug Burns, the ones that are you know maybe in the the later part of their careers, and then start to introduce some of the young youngsters and great players that they have in their systems. Is that maybe the plan that Farrell has? I think so, um, because you know you look at the job Farrell's done. I think one thing he's done is he's an is is put together a very good spine. Some probably one of the best in world rugby, and also the, the number of world class players that he's developed under his um, under his reign. Where you know you know old saying you get told at first in rugby or or, or internationals is leave the jersey in a better place. And I think with Sexton, he has left Ireland in a better place at the end of his captaincy because there's still a, a whole bunch of world class players around, and and also they've got so, so many youngsters coming through the ranks and. Um, so I, I do definitely think that um, the next year or two, you will see obviously a shift in the way they play. And I also feel like they will sort of look like, you know, Tyler, they, they remind me a lot of the 07 All Blacks. You know, I said this about France as well last year briefly, but I think one thing about Ireland, I think going forward is they'll, they'll try to probably develop a game plan that's not so reliant on one person in, term, in terms of Sexton. Whereas if a Frowley or if a, a Crowley can't play or, you're gonna, or Harry Burns is going to come in at, or, Harry, or, or someone's going to cover in at 10, they can at least play in that role, play in a similar style. Because you, you look at, for example, like the 07 Wallabies or 2011 Wallabies, they lost Carter, but they, okay, I know they, they, they stumbled their way on, almost into that World Cup win, but then post-World Cup 2011 is they developed game plans where Cruden could come in, Barrett could come in at 10. Carter came in at 10. So then, then they had three out now 10s who could play that role, whereas I think that's the role that Farrell might look at and go, listen, we've got to develop a game plan that whoever comes in at 10 slots in. Is it a situation of, shit, no John Sexton, no party? So I think that's also the big focus for them is developing a game plan that is so fluid. Whoever plays at 10 just fits in, fits in smoothly. But um, I, I, I do know that for them, it's continuity. It's, it's obviously continuing because... <laughs> They the, the won 17 straight, so they're, they're doing something right. It just happens the game they lost is the, the, the worst possible one to lose. So it's hard for, like you said, it's hard to start from scratch and say, fuck everything, and clearly we're not doing everything. Like, we've got to start from scratch. No, you do something right. It's just you just got to win one game, and we know which game is to win. So I'm very interested to see how they go in this next year. I, I do think, for, the, for me, their biggest challenge is obviously the game plan and trying to fit in a game plan that allows them to whatever 10 comes in. I think Gibson Park is going to become the most important backline player because he might take more control as Crowley, as Byrne, as Frody sort of get into that jersey, get comfortable in that jersey. I think that's who becomes the most important Irish player in that backline. Yeah, I think it's going to be, oh, I, I, and I really do like Jack Crowley. I think he does have, you know, the, the, the minerals to be a, a really good test number 10. You know, I I don't know whether he's I don't know if you can put him in that like special bracket that Sexton has been, but you know, sometimes, you know, you can go with someone that just at least has the confidence in themselves, the confidence in his ability to to make, you know, to make the big plays. And we've seen it with Munster, 
you know, we started to see it in, in the in the World Cup and something, and, and before that, in some of the games that he played, that he pretty much raced away that um, that ten or that reserve ten jersey from the Burns, who just were you know playing with it for the last few years. And you know, I think his ability to be a little bit more direct than Sexton to to back himself with his option taking. I think that'll be the a bit of a difference there. So there is a bit more of a running threat at 10. And it's gonna be interesting to see how now the 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 attacking pattern goes around Crowley. So is it going to be that, you know, set pattern of play, how they're gonna use Crowley's running ability um at 10? You know, how does he interact with, you know, Bandiaki and and Gary Ringrose or Henshaw, whoever plays in the midfield? And, you know, how he, how does he coordinate with probably the most important player for Ireland in their backline in the Six Nations will be James Lowe. And seeing, especially with Nomad Hansen, James Lowe is now that playmaker out wide that could open up opportunities, obviously has that big left boot that can get Ireland out of trouble as well. So it's going to be so interesting to see how Crowley goes. And this Six Nations, I mean, he pretty much, I think, has the keys for all five games is to now see does he, does he grow? Does he learn from his mistakes? It's probably going to be a bit up and down. But the main thing is just to see that growth and seeing him start to put together a good test performance. Sean? I, I'm not so worried about Jack Crowley. You know, you'll, if you look at Sexton, he was at that 10 that he would say something and everyone would do it for fear of their life. And he was a good player, but he was a captain and also just the way his personality was. I think Jack Crowley is the same as will be will become the same as a 10 very quickly where he will make a call and everyone will stick to it. Um, I don't think, you know what I mean? Like when the youngsters are there, they'll be looking around for help, stuff like that. But fortunately his help will come inside and outside with Bundy Aki as well. But I, I think Crowley is going to be great. I look at their 10s, Crowley, Frawley, Byrne. I almost think by the end of this year that Byrne might be very close to being third choice out of those three. Um, I like Frawley. I'd like to see a little bit more of him at 10. But Byrne, I think he's very much like is like like a robot in terms of like he just plays that game plan. He doesn't he seems to just really do the basics and everyone else must do do everything else, if you understand what I'm saying. Which isn't a bad thing. I think balance is really important as always. I always love a bit of balance. But I think Ireland need the spark and they really need the drive from ten. More so um more so with Crowley and Foley will will they get that, I feel. Um so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But I don't think Crowley's going to have any issue. I think he'll start at 10 for every one of the big games. And I wouldn't mind seeing Foley start at 10 for Italy. Okay, so let's look at some of the players that we're looking forward to seeing. Let's start with you, Cooks. Who's the one island player that you're looking forward to watching or you think will have a good, a good tournament? I must say I'm very excited to see Jordan Lama back in the squad. Obviously, I mean, we know how highly rated he was when he came through because tip you in a phone box. I mean, um, that had this incredible feat and sort of got injured, got injured, and then sort of, you know, fell out the system. And then the Mac Hansons came through. So he's, he, I mean, he's been playing very, very good rugby and forced his way back into the side. And um, I really hope to see him get a start. I mean, you know, Calvin Nash also is in good form. When Calvin Nash is Mister, I think Calvin Nash is basically in 2024, um, 2024 Keith Earls. Um, and um, so for me, just just seeing um, Jordan Lama back in the mix. I mean, the former junior. I mean, was a breakthrough breakthrough player of the year or junior player of the year. But I mean, someone that Ireland had high hopes for, and I think he probably feels he's not hit the heights he should have hit international rugby. So 
yeah, I'm so keen to see him back in the mix. No, that's a very interesting one. I like that. It's going to be interesting to see where they go between Nash and Lama. I think Nash is probably a little bit ahead of getting that number 14 jersey. So, But, I mean, Lama, obviously, we know how well he plays. He's been, you know, building form there for Leinster as well. So, it's going to be, yeah, I'm, I'm quite keen to see where Farrell goes with that. Sean? Joe McCarthy. I, Ooh, I love it. I, ah, oh, he scares me. <clears throat> he's going to, he can fill that blind side or that lock roll. I think he's going to be a valuable member of the squad moving forward. He's only 22, but he's a really, really big, really athletic guy. Um, he, this is going to be, this is going to be his big, I think this is going to be his big tournament. It'll be his big year, but I think this might be that tournament where people will take a little bit more notice of him. Yeah, I think right, world rugby, but yeah, Ireland in this case are in the big bastard lock era. You know, we see obviously the Springboks, the likes of Achis Neyman, Eben Itzabeth, not just an enforcer, just a big guy that just, you know, like just throws his weight around and dominates. France obviously have, you know, the supersized versions of that with, you know, Miafu and Tuilagi. Um, so I think McCarthy is going to be a great addition to to that um, to that collection as well. Uh, Ireland also has a big question there at lock of what to do with you know they have McCarthy, they have Ryan, they have um, Tug Burn, they have um, Henderson still um, around as well. So I'll be very interested and to Ryan see Baird. who they play. They I think Baird is, I think Baird's seen as a six though. I think he's almost fully seen now as a Peter Steff. Yeah, yeah, probably, but. You're right there. That, that lock, they've got... <laughs> I think McCarthy misses out on a few games just purely because of his inexperience. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, um, it's a crunch match. You probably won't go with him uh, as much as I'd love to see it because I think if he starts against France, I think he will destroy people. Um, but they've really got great locks at the moment. Okay, let's make a prediction or at least set what the pass rate, pass mark should be for Ireland. So their Six Nations run is they start away in France, um, away in France in the first weekend. Then they play Italy at home. Then um, the next week they host Scotland, I mean, host Wales. Then they go away to England at Twickenham. And then the final game is at home against Scotland. So they have three home games. And um, the two away games are Scotland and France. So, Cooks, is it Grand Slam or bust? Or does Ireland have a bit of leniency to go four out of five or three out of five? I think four out of five at minimum. Um, I think obviously all hinges on the, the French game this weekend. I think they should, I mean, obviously Ireland, Ireland obviously will be talking that, I mean, Scotland will be talking that one, the last game of having. Ireland coming all the way to Scotland. I think Scotland and Rwanda obviously end their campaign strong there, but I can't see them losing more than one game. And I think it's going to be the I think it's going to be this weekend. Sorry for the early prediction, but four out of five at minimum. Anything below that is a bust. Sean, they have to win it, so it's got to got to be that four out of five or Grand Slam. I I really feel they'll be targeting a Grand Slam, and it'll all hinge on this weekend, as it will for France. To be fair. But yeah, they they have to win it. If they don't win the Six Nations this year, I think they're like, then you'll see the Wolves will come out. And because falling out where they did in the World Cup and not winning the Six Nations straight afterwards, I think there'll be hassles. But looking at that squad, it's almost, you, you can't see them not. You know what I mean? So they have to win 
the Six Nations and a Grand Slam would be kind of a cherry on the top. Just the thing we haven't really discussed on the pod is Andy Farrell's been appointed as the um, British Irish Lions coach for the next, well, for the for the tour next year, which means that he's gonna he's not gonna be available from November, um, up until obviously the end of the November this year, up until the end of the tour. So, Sean, yeah, I think your point about you know things could start becoming a little bit shaky is a well made one because if Farrell, you know, if Six Nations doesn't work out. The Tour to South Africa, also, you know, they 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 don't win their games there, and then Farrell leaves. <laughs> yeah, it then becomes very difficult because you've got the coaches in there, it's the assistant coaches running the show. You've got an older squad, and we've seen with Wales, you know, in the past that that's Six Nations. Oh, sorry, that British and Irish Lions year when your head coach is the Six Nations, the is the British and Irish Lions coach can be a very difficult year. So. That could be the year when, you know, there's a lot of questions asked about that, you know, that, that, you know, that generation of Irish players from the last few years as to whether they should continue or not. What do you think, Sean? A great shot. And I, I forgot that he goes away from November. Um, but I will know the writing will be on the wall in terms of what's happening before then, before he leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all rests on this. Um, I don't think the the tour to to South Africa is going to be a a massive one. It, it won't matter too much. Obviously, they want to win, but it, it, if they don't perform in the Six Nations, they're going to want to win two 0 in South Africa, which is going to be flipping hard. Yeah, oh, that's going to be such a tasty thing to look forward to um, in, um, in July. Okay, let's move to the second place team, which is France. So France have <laughs> quite a few changes from last year's World Cup squad. The main things are. Because of either injury or sevens, they are missing Antoine Dupont, Romain Lintamak, um, Anthony Geelong, and they are also not going to have Emmanuel Miafu available for the first game. At least that's the last um, that's the last we've heard about that. They have obviously introduced quite a few um, players, young younger players, into the team. Interesting with some of their squad choices. I mean, Paul Willemsa was initially out of the squad, but he came back in with some of the injuries at lock. Gabin Villiers not in the squad anymore. Uh, Marvin Jaminet, he, he was in the squad, but now he's injured, so he's out again. And there's a lot of younger players that they're introducing, the likes of um, Osolo Tuilagi and Dayton and um, the... We can't get his name now, but the French number 13, the youngster that's also coming through as well. Cooks. Uh, um, Galiton. I think there's, yeah, there's, a, there's another one as well, but it's fine. We'll probably get to him just now. Um, Cooks, just with France, I think they actually, so different to Ireland. I mean, Ireland, they've sort of continued with everyone. France actually has a good chance now, especially without DuPont, of actually... This is this could be a start of a not a start of a new era, but just them creating a game plan that is not as Dupont centric as obviously we saw in the World Cup. That you know maybe a, a Namibian can hit you in the face with his uh, with his head, and then you're not you're out for a few weeks. So what what do you do when when that happens? No, hundred percent. I think obviously while um, Dupont um, goes chasing for a Olympic gold medal. I think um, France can definitely use this, this chance now to sort of develop a, a game plan that's away from him. You know, I think um, obviously still without uh, Tamak as well. So I think that's two of the both their playmakers that um, their starting playmakers that will be without. But also, you know, 
it reminds me this Six Nation campaign reminds me a lot of what um what what Galtier did for example sending a C uh, basically a B slash C side to Australia where he sort of created depth from there. I think this known to Mark and to Paul could be a place in disguise in the same way because I still I still think yes they got a few injuries but I still think the youngsters they're coming through. I mean the youngsters coming through are guys who are multiple junior World Cup champions and they they're coming through from the best league in the world and they just this is the next step in their process. So there's so many youngsters that I mean, you talk like like Altuan, for example. I mean, who's, I mean, there's talks about maybe Fiku was possibly missing out because he hasn't had as good of a season as some of the youngsters have had. Um, obviously, I'm going to play in Dante. Um, um, after I spoke to the coach, I'm in the mix for the first game. Uh, I should be leaving Joburg on Wednesday to make sure I'm in. I'm in ready for the game. So. Fabian's very accommodating. I'm so happy that you can make it today. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, Fabian Gold is very accommodating. SA20 at the moment, which is a very nice. He's a cricket man through and through as well. So allow me to do that work <laughs> there. But um, <laughs> I do think that um, I, I, I still think France is, you know, again, it's <laughs> it's not it's a box freak performance. So even it's a bit freak performance away. Jesse Creel, absolute masterclass, and French not being able to score a try when. The box forgot to play. Forgot to play rugby for ten minutes after they made all those subs. So, from them going through the semi-final, possibly winning the World Cup. So, and I, and I do think they they're still young enough for them to obviously kick this into overdrive. You know, I think they got like I know Ireland's got a few more older players, but West France still got. They core is essentially still together until, essentially still 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 together until the next World Cup. So for them, it's just use this pain they they from last year and sort of kick on and really go for a run for the next four years. Yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna come from those players that did suffer that loss in the World Cup quarterfinal to see what lessons they've learned. And you know, a lot of play, a lot of people have made that comparison with the All Blacks in two thousand seven. And you know, the All Blacks had to go through two thousand nine as well before they became you know the team that was dominant for at least a six seven eight year period. So I wonder if France has to go almost to a to a you know, a, 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 a breaking point and, and the lowest of the low before they come up again? Or is it going to be a matter of from Friday, they're going to just be playing angry and learning from their mistakes? And I think what the nice thing about France that we've seen in the last few years is they learn quite quickly from their mistakes. They, they, don't, they don't lose in the same way twice, if I can put it like that. I mean, they really lose. We know that. And they they lose, they usually lose by a few points. And apart from losing to Scotland every year or so, which is just a, a glitch in the system, they don't seem to make the same mistakes. So it's going to be so interesting to see what their journey is for the next you know, few months and years. Sean? I'm very interested and focused on the, on the halfback pairings that they select because they've named two nines and two tens, but in each of those, they've got a guy who hasn't um, played for France yet. So, Nolan Legarek, who plays for Russing, but he's excellent. He hasn't been capped yet, and I thought he'd have been capped already. And they got uh, Luku, so obviously Luku will will start. Then Antoine Gibert, um, uncapped, um, twenty six year old, and then him and Matthew Jalibert. So Jalibert will obviously start, but I think they're a little bit thin there, especially at nine. Not saying that there's anything wrong with the nines that they have, but if something goes wrong somewhere, they they're going to have to definitely pull in. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm going to be focused on 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 the halfbacks and see how they manage things. But 
I don't see, I mean, Luku and Jelibe are going to start at 9 and 10 this week without a shadow of a doubt. But I mean, then they're pretty thin on the bench. Yeah. Look, I mean, to be fair, let's start with how the amazing form that they're, that both of them are in right now. I mean, Bordeaux's been cooking the last few months. Um, Luka and Jalibe have been playing really good rugby. Um, Fana looks really good as well. Pierre is looking great, obviously, at the wing. They've got Pino as well. So they've got the pretty much, you know, most of the back line is, is, is in that squad. And probably three, four of them are going to be starters for the French team this in in the Six Nations. So it's, I think with Jalibe, I think, Cooks, you've spoken about it before, about, you know, how much confidence he's gotten from that World Cup run. So, you know, apart from that one penalty kick where he kicked it backwards in the quarterfinal, like, there's no reason for why he can't build and have a great performance and have a great Six Nations and, you know, put himself out there as, you know, I'm the best fly half in the Northern Hemisphere and better than the guy that I'm replacing at the moment. So, Luka and Jalibe, it's going to be great to see how they run the team, um, you know, in the absence of Dupont and Tamak, because, you know, Dupont can do things that no other player in the world can do, especially in terms of just how strong he is around contact. So with Luku being able to play a bit more of a classical number nine role, there's a lot more space for Jalibe to cook. So I wonder how that's going to go for him and, and, and seeing people play off him instead of, you know, him being almost like a second uh, you know, like a supporting actor to what Dupont does. Cooks? No, hundred um, percent. I think obviously Jalibe. I mean, you can. Until I love you mentioned that you can. See, you, he's a different player after that World Cup because of the confidence he had going through and, and how well he and how well he played. And now you can see the sort of club form he's put together. Him and Luku, they're floating at the moment, and um, I definitely think he'll look to just take a deeper claim in that French jersey and. The thing is, you know, Ukalte is, he is a man that makes big decisions. If you, if you, if you're playing well enough, you're going to unseat the next person. I mean, Marvin Jamine probably thought he'll be a starter for the next four years. And then Thomas Ramos came and snatched that jersey from him. So it's, I mean, you, you probably, I mean, like, look, now Fiku has to look over his shoulder because the youngster's coming through. So I definitely think that Jali, Jali Bear, I think from a, a big Six Nations after a big World Cup, definitely. Definitely puts all pressure on Tamak where you probably you'll be thinking, shit, I'm not actually just coming straight back in the side yet. I'm actually gonna have to fight because Jalibe is arguably the best 10 in the top 14 slash possibly in Europe. The, the form is in one of the form 10s in Europe. So Tamak is probably couldn't wait to get back on the rugby field soon so he can sort of um, get his jersey back. You know what I find quite interesting? Bordeaux are so heavily represented in the backs, and rightfully so. There's not one Bordeaux player in the pack. Not one. <laughs> That's actually wild. Yeah. Crazy, man. I mean... Absolutely crazy. Talking about the pack, sorry. Go on. I, I mean, we knew, we knew it was going to happen, but Winnie Antonio, he's back after retiring. <laughs> he retired after the World Cup, and Fabian said, no, Boxy, <laughs> we're going to need you some more. <laughs> yeah, sorry, bud. Come back. No, even Taufe Fenua uh, um, was not allowed to retire, at least for now. I think what <laughs> I think the sweeten in the deal, Sean, is don't retire now, and we're going to pick Pasola Tuilagi, and that means Henry Tuilagi is going to come and prepare. Did you guys see that bride that Tuilagi prepared for the, well, more for the Polynesian players than for the French team? 
the, the, the size of the food was ridiculous. Like, I don't know where he got like, I think it was fish that he was cooking that it was so big. Like, and I've never seen Antonio be so happy in his life. Like this is one photo he's looking at the bride and he is so happy. He was glad he didn't retire now. But tell her, I don't know what was bigger, the food or the actual human beings eating them and making them. <laughs> I was like, what this is? Like, it was just like, I'm like, what is good? Like, like that's enough to feed an actual army. And like Henry Trilog, like there's something in those genes there. I mean, like, like Henry Trilog is, is massive. And, and I'm sitting there like, imagine being the coach when, and then, and then obviously if you saw Itagi's playing and then you drop him for example, and you're going to deal with Henry and try to explain to Henry why his sons are playing first team. Like, or <laughs> he's not playing on a Ford and A's. Like, try to explain that to Henry Trilogi or, no or, or, or what happens if Henry Trilogi I mean, does the, does the school bras, the first team bras, and then you're like, oh, Henry, is this for the team? He's like, no, no, this is for my family only, sorry. But this, <laughs> this is for the rest <laughs> of the team. No, look. Oh man, he needs to stay in the squad. Um, Pozzoli needs to stay in the squad just to feed those, um, those um, Polynesian. But players. imagine, imagine how much the food bill goes up. I'll tell you one thing. I would. I love my food. I would totally. I to- just send me away. Send me away, and then they must show me how to cook like that, and I'll eat that for days. <laughs> I love it. I'll have to eat it for days. There's no ways I could eat it in one sitting. Yeah, let's talk about the players that we're looking forward to seeing. Sean? Sure, hit me hard there. Um, <laughs> I'm just having a little quick squiz. Look, Garrick, I'm actually very keen to see. It's kind mm. of a, it's a pick between two backline players. Obviously, look, Garrick will be making his debut, but he's exceptionally talented. And I think a lot of people, not only myself, were surprised that he hadn't been capped prior to the World Cup. Um, and then the other center that you were talking about that I'm very keen to see is Deportier. Mm. Um, I don't know if he'll get a look in. They're, they're quite well covered in the midfield. Um, you know, um, Fuku can play 12 and 13. Dante can play 10, maybe 13, and then got Mofano. So I think it'll be one of the smaller games that Deportier will, will get a look-see. But yeah, look, Eric, for me, I'm super keen. Yeah. I'm going to go to the tight five for mine. I'm going to also sneak in two. Um, yeah, I think people that have listened to this podcast know how much of a big fan I am of Manny Miafu. I think he's going to be brilliant in, in, in international rugby. We know how great he is for Toulouse. We know how much of a one-man wrecking machine that he is. We know, you know how effective he is in scrums and lineouts and in carrying the ball as well. Yeah, I mean, he's basically what people think Will Skelton is. I'm going to move past that very quickly. And then um, Thomas, Thomas Laclaire, um, the tight head prop for Racing. Uh, he's been in and around the French squad for a while. He's now... I think he was a player that used to, if I'm not mistaken, Sean, I think he used to play for, was it Oyana? I think it was before he came to Racing this year. But now he's a regular for Racing. He plays, you know, pretty yep. much every... 103, 113 games he played for. Yeah. So he, it's a quite nice little move in his world, eh? A bit more money as well. So yeah, he's playing obviously with regular French players like Walkie as well and... You know, he's in that all-star team that, that Racing has. And it's going to be, you know, they have to, I mean, the France have to start thinking about what happens after Antonio. I mean, once, you know, Henry Tulag is, is, is not able to feed him anymore, they do need a, a tight head replacement. Alder is also on the older side. I don't think he's that good. Um, Falatea's decent. But yeah, like Lai could be someone that um, could 
give some strength to the French scrum because low-key, mid-key, you know, Cyril Bai is not in the best form, especially with the scrumming, you know, they're getting a bit older in that front row. It's going to be resting on, you know, some of these newer players to try and, and give some um, ballast back to the scrums. Also, sidebar, Peter Movaka could be player of the tournament. Oh, I'm such a big fan. There's there's a guy that I'm super keen to watch. I thought when he came on in the World Cup and had to start after the injury, he just ripped it apart. I think that's probably, going back to your chatting about the props, I think that's exactly what Galtier has said to Antonio. Like, I need one more year out of you. Um, we need to get some guys through. We haven't properly filled these gaps yet, but I have to have you there. That's probably the conversation that went. Oh, and food. <laughs> Lots of food. Cooks. Tell her you, you stole my one. I was I was just about to be like, oh, I've, I've got Peter Mavaka there all lined ah. up. The one time the one time I should choose a forward for these things, you will steal it, asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he picked three as well, I just want to say. Yeah, I know. And then for me it's he should be he should be on timeout. <laughs> for me, I won't pick anyone for Scotland. <laughs> for me, it's definitely Mavaka. Well, Cooks can't either. No, I can't either. I have to be a finless list. But um for me, for France, definitely Mavaka because I think he's his coming out party was the World Cup. And then, I mean, that's what he did in the quarterfinal was outstanding. Until, like you said, he's definitely... Poor Jordan Marchand was one of the best hookers in the world and just got injured at the wrong time. And then Movaka's like, thank you very much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a, a best hook in the world campaign on, on his own. So I think this is going to be... I don't know if you if you can put him... Because I, th- I think... I don't know if you'll be up for... Like you almost make a breakout player of the tournament of the year campaign from just stepping into in, as the year goes forward. I think I think it's due. For, I think he's a fantastic year. I think he's been absolutely incredible. I think he's going to bring a different light to France in the way they play. I mean, I mean, if he's starting and you have Julian Marchand coming off the bench, that's as good as the only one that can match it. Probably the Springboks having Wangi and Malcolm Mark. That's the only team I can see actually matching that. So. um I, I definitely think um, uh, Movaka is going to have an absolutely huge tournament. And um, I'm also very excited to see the second season of, uh, of Louis Bilbao. So I'm a big fan of his. I mean, he was 20 last year, found himself playing in a World Cup. I definitely think he's going to be a lot better. And um, just very, I just think he's, again, I think France have got a gem in him. As what I saw last season, it's like very almost Dominici-esque in, in, the, in the way the balance runs the ball. And last was his first season of international rugby. I, I definitely think this is the season where he sort of grows a little bit more experience. I mean, it's tough being thrown into a World Cup campaign is just to start your journey. But I think now he's sort of settled. He's, I mean, you can have Chelly Bear next to him. He's, he has his, his Bordeaux teammates. So I, I definitely think he's also in for a big, a big, big World, a big World Cup, a big Six Nations campaign. Cooks, Bilbari. He's he's incredible. He has like best wing in the world vibes about him. Mm. He's he's that he looks that good. Like when he runs, the work he does and everything, he really he's got that like World Player of the Year nomination vibe coming or top score in Six Nations and World Cup kind of thing about him. Um it's quite it's you can see why he started and why he just suddenly was in the mix because he really he's good. He's He's someone, I know Damien Pinot is just an absolute fruit loop and he scares the shit out of people because <laughs> he's quite deadly. But I think Bill Barry is, um, I think he's, he's pretty hardcore. I think people will be preparing for him in different ways moving forward. Yeah. Cooks, um, just quick check in. 
Does the Kalagawa Scrum Cap rule applies to Bio Biari? No, unfortunately not. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh. <laughs> unfortunately. He's French. That's, that's, Doesn't that, count. That's He's a white guy. If Sorry, maybe man. if you travel to Loftus for the Bulls game, maybe you could have fallen in that mix there and just, just learned something from Kurt. <laughs> but unfortunately, he didn't. But um, <laughs> the color, the color, the color guy's scrum off rule for the for French is the is, is is the nine who can play ten and kick for poles. That's their version of it. <laughs> She's Sanele Nohamba. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sanele But I will say that um, though, any scrum off for the any any scrum off for me with a ball head will be called will be compared to Willie Hines. So that's why Luku will always be in Bordeaux. Willie Hines, you, you gotta you gotta have a ball head and not be called <laughs> Willie Hines. I'm sorry, like that's the that's 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 the rule. I thought you were gonna call. Can him. I just have my can I just have my sad moments again? I think Willie Hines should have played more Test rugby for England. I think England. Missed, missed by by dropping him the, when they did. I just want to say that again, <laughs> just to remind everyone in case they forgot. I thought Willie was a gem. I thought you were going to call Luku um, Bordeaux Conradi after Bola Conradi, <laughs> but you know, Willie, Willie Hines works as well. Um, Sean, quick, sorry, Tala, yeah? I'm so, so I'm sorry to, to jump in, but talking about South African nines, um, oh, shit, man. Oh, Heine Adams. Heine Adams is still heavily involved there at Bordeaux. Are you real? For real? Yeah, he's wow. coaching there still. He's, I'm sure he's at Bordeaux. I'll double check now while you, uh, while you reel me in on a... On a <laughs> okay, then while it. Sean is checking, Cooks, France's three home games this season. Their two away games are on the second weekend against Scotland. They are rivals. They're going to Merrifield. And then in the fourth week, they go to Cardiff to play Wales. So Cooks... Yeah, what what do you think their their pass mark should be? A winning number one. I think um, I have them winning. So I've I've this is I mean a prediction for the next four six nations. I have France winning three out of the next four six nations. Um, two sure. Grand Slams in there. So um, I think this. I think they Grand Slam this one. I think they beat Ireland, and I, and I don't think anyone else will beat them even without Dupont. And then, yeah, I think this. I think this is going to be the start of a, of a bit of a French dominance in in European rugby. And I think, yeah, it starts with them winning this this Six Nations. I think they'll make a statement this weekend, even with even without with, with, with all the players out. I think they want to show how strong they can be, especially without Dupont and Tamak. So um, I've got them going. I mean, four to five, obviously, to win it the past mark, but I, I've got them going full Grand Slam. Do you agree, Sean? Yes. They have to I'm sorry, I couldn't find where Honey Adams is. But anyway, I'm sure I'm sure he's still there. My job is at home. Um, I'll be, I'll be safe to where you put it there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Someone please check on Honey Adams. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yes, I I think France and Ireland are in the same boat, but I think France are under I think there's a little bit less pressure for France. France, it's winning and grand slamming. It would be would be a have to if they they have to they can't finish lower than two. You know, um, I think there'll be a little shit. But the things, the way that Fabian Galtier has changed that thing and just changed the trajectory of of French rugby and the succession planning and what they've done and what he's built, I think he's earned himself a a, a couple of freebies. You know. Yeah, it's interesting though that I mean the. The LNR, they've already decreased the 
allocation of players that Gaultier can take for like Six Nations camps. I think it was like over 40 um, during the you know the last cycle. Now it's at 34 or something like that. So, I mean, or maybe it might be That's less. because Tuilagi, that is literally because of Tuilagi coming into the <laughs> Literally. I mean, fair it's enough. It's financial. It's a money situation. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting because I think there's going to be obviously less support from, I think, the French... Um, from FFR, from the top 14 as well, because there's not a home World Cup to look forward to. So it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully they don't go back to the bad old days where you have, like, you know, your star players playing in the top 14 while they're playing the Six Nations. But, yeah, I think Gaultier doesn't have the blank check that he did before. So, yeah, hopefully he still has a, a bit of credit that, you know, can go through, you know. I think the worst thing that could happen for France is... I don't think they can afford the low run that the All Blacks had in 2009. They kind of need to keep at least consistently near the top of the game so that, you know, there's still some support from the French public and from the decision makers in France um, for the time being. Okay, let's get to Scotland. Tala. Go on, Sean. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No problem. Honey Adams is the skills coach at Bordeaux. There we go. Sorry, I'm so sorry, everyone, that I'm jumping around, but I, <laughs> I had to find it. <laughs> okay, we can confirm Heine Adams is safe. <laughs> Mark safe on Facebook. There we From go. From Sean's bullshit. <laughs> okay, we go to Cook's team, Scotland. So big. the main changes for Scotland are very interesting. I mean, they, you know, they've still got the same... Um, the, the same coach in Gregor Townsend, you know, it's a continuation like um, we've seen with um, Ireland and France in terms of their squad. A few interesting changes in the, in the squad, though. So they've got two um, co-captains in, you know, one a world-class player in Rory Dodge and some guy called Finn Russell. And then with the <laughs> with their squad at the I'm moment... the popcorn... I think the big change to note there is the lack of Hamish Watson. And number two, of course, um, Jamie Ritchie not being the captain probably means that he's not, you know, a, uh, a certain selection in, uh, in, in the loose trio. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if Scotland's going to, you know, uh, is there going to be a bit of a change in approach now? Who's going to come in? And I think, you know, the, the, there's a few players that have come in here and there, the likes of Will Hurd. Um, that are going to have a chance. The just blanked on the name of the sevens player that replaced Darcy Graham uh, because of his injury. Um, Cooks, I'll start with you as our resident Scott. Aaron what? Reed. There we go. No, Aaron it Reed. wasn't. Is it not? Aaron was Reed? it him? Might not be. No, no, it no was. Um, it wasn't Aaron Reed. Aaron McDowell, Reed at yeah. um, at 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 Sale. Sorry, Aaron Reed's a debut at Sale. But yeah, McDowell. Sorry. Yeah. Look, let's start with you. Like, what's the Scotland like plan post, you know, 2023? Um, you know, obviously, the World Cup did not go to plan at all. Townsend. Ross I McCann. Think... Sure. McCann. Ross yes. McCann is his name. I'm. Yes. Your guys, I'm so sorry. I've just been interrupting <laughs> you all day. <laughs> yeah. So, Cooks, yeah. What's the plan here for Scotland? Because it's, you know, it's kind of time now for them to at least make a, a strong run to win a Six Nations or to, to, to make the most out of this generation of players they have? No, 100%. I think um, the way they set up, you know, I mean, obviously the World Cup was very poor for their standards and um, they the, the, the obviously hoping to make a bigger splash than they did. 
I do think they are set up now to sort of go on a bigger run. You know, I think they've got players who are who are playing very well domestically. Got, I mean, someone like Blake Kinghorn is tearing it up in France at the moment. And, you know, you, you, you still got the likes of Finn who's playing off a path, Cameron Redpath, those two of lighting it up as well. I mean, and then you look at what, you know, I know Hugh, Hugh Pollute is probably, Hugh Jones has probably not hit the heights of last year, but then it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting what Gregor Townsend does at the centre. I definitely think you've got to go Redpath and Finn. 10 at Finn, I mean, Finn at 10 and Redpath at 12 and then two polluted at 13. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. But um, I, I definitely think they are built to sort of at least at least try and win four games a season. Um, they have they have France and Ireland at home. They should back themselves to win one of those games because, again, with Scotland, it's always, it always feels like there's a ceiling with them. You know, I think I said to Sharky, they should, before the show, they should be the best of the rest. Um, I do think obviously the cream of the crop is France and Ireland in Europe, but Scotland is good enough to be the cream of the, to, is, is, is to be the best of the rest. They they're looking more. They they have the their squad looks more intact than sort of say England, who's got a few. They're still figuring things out. Yes, I mean they they got to the World Cup semi final, but um, you know Wales is Wales is a mess at the moment. So you know, but like Scotland, they should be knocking on the. They should be the third at least come third comfortably and. But again, it's with 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 Scotland is they always start off well, and this like this I could easily see them. The problem with Scotland is I can easily see them losing to Wales away from home, then beating either France or Ireland. That's got to change, you know. They have they should be able to string games together, because I mean otherwise what are we doing here? Like it's just a repeat, it's rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. That's what it feels like. The Six Nations campaigns have been, and um, I think this year is. If, if if they go through the same thing of winning two games, beat England or say you beat Wales and then they beat Italy and then they lose the rest, then what is Gregor Townsend doing there? Then you start looking at change. So I think it's as important Six Nations for him and um, and some of the senior players because I do think they have a, a definitely a, a chance this season to sort of push and maybe come second or listen, you, you, you make, the, make the tournament come down to bonus points. So I think they can definitely shake things up but it has to happen this season. Yeah, I mean, Sean, on the other hand, I mean, I hear what Cooks is saying and that they have to capitalize on this, but arguably they can say, look, <laughs> you saw what happened in the World Cup when the Springboks and Ireland started, you know, playing seriously against us. You know, there's, we're a world apart from them. Like, we just don't have, you know, the tight five um, to really compete with them, especially, like, yeah, I think there's a problem, especially up front with just competing with the physicality that, you know, the best of the best have. So is arguably maybe Gregor Townsend is getting the maximum from the squad right now. What do you think? I agree with Cooks. They have to be the best of the rest. The, the, that would be it for Gregor Townsend. Like he's got, to, he's got to do something because it wasn't in the World Cup, but fair enough. You could say, listen, it was the shittest group to ever be in. So like maybe he got wiggle room there, but they've got to do something. Um, They've got, if you look at it, like if you look at certain sort of batches of players or you, you say like they're, they're pretty good, like Jack Dempsey, very handy. Matt Ferguson in form, in great form again. George Horn's pretty good. Um, Ali Price, Ben White, pretty handy. Adam Hastings, Cook's shame, eh? Adam Hastings gets back into the squad and then injured before he gets a game. But Finn Russell, then I, Cooks, one thing I will disagree with you, I, I think for the first game, they're going to go Huey Pilatu 
I think when they came back together um, for club, they did pretty well. But it's going to be a tough one because um, Redpath is really playing well, but I, I think they'll stick to what they're, what they're doing. But Tyler, Scotland have to do something better. They can't keep being those guys. Not with these players. Like they've lost a couple, fair enough. But even though they've got Alec Hepburn in, he's making his debut, he's played for England before. He's not exactly shit. So they can hold it up in places. Um, and they've got to, they've got to make, make do. Vipernel, one of their best players, 37, still in the squad. So they need to start looking at life after Vipernel. But they've got to do better. They have to beat Wales. They have to pull one on England. They have to beat Italy. And then, you, as Cook says, they've got to get something out of one of those, those two big games. Sean, I don't even think it's worth asking. I mean, it's not worth asking both of you for your players you're looking forward to. Let me guess. Sean, you're going to say Carl Stain. Cooks is going to say Finn Russell. <laughs> Sean, prove me wrong. Carl Stain, what? He's, watch him. Watch him. He's going to cook. <laughs> you see? And Cooks, prove me wrong. Actually, I'm going to tell her. I'm actually, Ooh. I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, white chocolate, Messi of rugby. So it's not one to watch, you know, he's it's, it's going to do his thing. But I am very excited for Blair Kinghorn. Um, I think this move to Toulouse is obviously, it's the, the freedom that he's playing with at the moment and also the quality of players and what he's learning at Toulouse. And he's absolutely floating at the moment. Like you, you had another fantastic game on the weekend. I think... In order for Scotland to sort of to go to the next level, especially in the backs, he needs to become the next world-class player in that side. I think, obviously, they, they, they had that with when it was Finn and Stuart Hogg. Um, and, I, and I think Blake Kingon has the chance to be one of the best fullbacks in the world and the form he's showing. And I think for, for Scotland to sort of, especially, especially at the backs, it's to, if he can carry, continue his club form that he, that, that he showed, and also, I thought, he, I thought he was good last at 15 as well. I think, you know, when Hogg went out, everyone, some people were panic stations. I thought, well, we just moved King onto the, the, his best position, which is probably 15. Um, and, I, and I think if King Horn has a great tournament, um, even close to being up there with player of the tournament, I think Scotland can make a splash for it because he has the ability to, to, to be one of the best 15s in the world. And, I mean, the height, boot, I mean, he's linking game now. Like, I mean, Shockey, you've seen it as well. I mean, he's absolutely flying at the moment in the top 14 and arguably one of the signings of the season or the steal of the season from Toulouse and no, a player no one expected. I don't know what they're going to do when Tamar comes back and Ramos has got to obviously move back to 15. It's going to be an absolute fight for that 15 jersey. And that's how, and that's how well he's been playing. So if he can transfer that form to, to Scotland, I think Scotland can make a real splash of it. Because I, I do think they, they strength lies with the back line. Now, if you're adding another world-class player there, someone on that potential. And you've got the two centers, now Redpath as well, three centers. I mean, the wings, I mean, Duan is, is, is in great form, obviously. It's going to be great to see how Reed goes. And so you do have, they do have the players there, but now you're adding a, someone like Blair Kinghorn in that sort of form, that could make them very, very dangerous. Agreed. Kinghorn is, he's in, he's in form that I never, like everyone, like the Scottish were talking about him like he's going to be the next best thing. And he was shifted between 10 and 15, didn't quite reach there. And he went to Toulouse and he's just like, cool, this is the rugby I want to play. So he's going to be, he's going to be big. What it also does is he solves a massive problem for them as well. I, I think that because he can operate to 10, they've got a nice kind of 10, 15 sort of playmaker vibe going on there and with their midfield. So they're going to be in, good, in, in, a, in a good space. 
and they really do have have deadly wingers so it's going to be fun and interesting player that i'm also looking forward to in 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 the pack is matt fagerson he's been in pretty good form at the moment i know he does him and his boot do something silly every now and then but that loose trio i believe scotland can get that loose trio right with the players that they've got um Bayless is playing well. Andy Christie, he has to start. He was cooking for Saracens. You can have Christie, Ferguson, and Dempsey as a loose trio. Jamie Ritchie's got to fit in there somewhere, maybe. So there's interesting things happening there. If they can sort their loose trio out, which I think they can, they're, two, they're three really, really big guys and really dynamic guys. It could be really good for them and to allow their backs to cook. Yeah, I'm scrambling because Sean stole mine by mentioning Andy Christie and was going to talk about the loose four dilemma that I think um, that Townsend has. I mean, he's still kind of trapped himself by, even though he's taken away the captaincy from Richie, I mean, and I'm not saying Rory Dodge isn't going to be a starter, but like he still has to fit in about five or six players that are playing well into three starting positions and one bench position. So Dodge probably is one of them. I think you still go with, I would probably... Yeah, it's it's so difficult because Ferguson has a good argument. Dempsey has to be in the 23. I think he's a pretty good impact player. Christie, I think, is in such good form. He has to be in the 23. So does Richie not even feature? That's going to be, yeah. I mean, that's a big change for a player that's obviously been good. He's been a captain as well. And that's not even mentioning someone like Josh Baylor. So it's going to be interesting to see how... Um, how Townsend tries to manage that. And it's a similar issue with the centers that we've mentioned. You know, three has two has to go into three um, between um, two below two Jones and Redpath. You know, and that's not even mentioning someone like Rory Hutchinson, Hutchinson who's been playing really well for Northampton the last few months. Well, last few years, arguably. So, yeah, there's a few selection dilemmas that Townsend has. Like, there are some really good players, maybe not necessarily world-class, <coughs> Ben Russell, but they... It's now, how do you maximize all the talent that you have is the big question that Townsend is trying to find. And, you know, there is some good times that they have. And, like, you know, they ran France and Ireland close last season. They have a really good record against France compared to pretty much the rest of the world. But now it's about, you know, the consistency week to week. Also, by the way, Scotland hasn't won in Cardiff um, since 2002. And they haven't won Ooh. in the whole lifetime of Daffod Jenkins, the Wales captain. So it's a big test that they have <laughs> coming up in the first game in Cardiff. That's crazy. Uh, I think it happens this year, though. It has. It should. It, has, yeah, it should happen it this should. year. It should happen this. Like <laughs> you know what? If if they lose on Saturday, they should they make lose, it out of their pools. If they lose do. on Saturday to Wales, crap everything you've said about Scotland, and just like they just wasted our time again. We'll, We'll save it for next year's Six Nations pod, and you'll say the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, look, I think we've discussed the prediction or what the minimum requirements are, so let's skip that. Scotland, at least one win against Ireland or France. Get yourself three wins at a minimum, but actually try to get yourself to four. Okay, let's move to England. Always an interesting um, uh, a team to discuss. Probably the team... Oh, after Wales, that has the most changes in their squad um, from the World Cup. So there's no Owen Farrell. There's no Courtney Laws. Um, and <laughs> Courtney Laws should probably come back. But um, there's and a lot Fez. of... Sorry? Sorry, and Fez. 
I mean, England, yes, as well. They but, need both of them. Yeah, oh. but I mean, he's he's decided he's going to move to pastures um, Paris right now and be besties with Sia Colisi. So England has a lot of players that they're trying to bring in, but not only that, but their coaching staff is going through a lot of changes. You know, Felix Jones has joined the coaching staff. Um, there's another guy whose name I've completely forgot as well. So it's... It's a it's 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 a lot of changes to the England team, and this is now hopefully for Borthwick. He now has has had a full season. He can now start to put his imprint onto the team. And look, Cooks, I think we can almost start with that semi final loss that they had. Like that's at least a, a basis that England can work from. Like you can work, you can play a really good tactical game. Um, put teams under a lot of pressure with, you know, your kicking and your set piece and your pressure on the, in the ruck and, you know, capitalize on, on, on opportunities as well. Like you use that as a basis and you obviously add more with your attacking game and, you know, a lot more accuracy. Like you can make yourself really competitive regardless of who's playing for you. 100%. I think that was the base. I thought that sort of want to go into the Six Nations with keep a, a lot more players who are part of the World Cup campaign and sort of just, I thought that one of obviously keep that momentum flowing, get through the Six Nations and sort of come June, I thought I'd see the number of changes they've made now, you know, just getting, I thought that, I, I thought they'll try to keep a lot more of that core together, just sort of just keep that momentum going because obviously still mid-season and, um, and I thought for them after the mess of obviously before the World Cup is to just, keep on churning out wins, keep on building a base, keep on setting a foundation. I think there'll still be a lot of that. And I think the way they played in the World Cup, yes, I mean, if you guys said it's not pretty, but they, the Springboks, when they, when, when, when Russia and Shark took over, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't pretty. And they built a foundation that, that got them through the win against France, the ground out wins against, you know, in, 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 the, in the 2019 World Cup. And I thought that's what England on now so I, I definitely don't think they might go too far away from that but i just obviously now with less experience it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they solve that issue and yeah i think with england the problem at the moment is there's more questions than there are answers and um it's it, it's so hard to judge because there's just so many youngsters I mean, especially now losing i think losing ollie lawrence was a big one um because you probably that would have probably made him play at 12 even though he's been cooking at 13 but um so yeah I just yeah there's just so many there are players playing well Finn Smith uh, Marcus Smith obviously or George Ford all fighting for that jersey but I, I just to pick it, I think the hardest thing to do now is start picking English team you know um so yeah so many more questions and answers with that with that squad yeah you can do a whole podcast on debating you know, who's playing 12 now for England, especially now with you no know, Lawrence, who's going to play 10, you know, the loose forward um, uh, combinations. Like, there's so many questions, like Cooks has said. And it, uh, unfortunately for England, they've just had some unfortunate injuries at the wrong times. You know, George Martin is not available from that semi-final. Um, we've talked about Oli Lawrence not being available. Manu Tuilagi has his, you know, by monthly injury right now unfortunately and a lot of also really interesting players coming in or coming back into the squad i mean alex dombrant has made his way back into the squad in some good form luke Cowan dickie's playing really well for sale at the moment some good youngsters and the likes of you know chandler cunningham south in the team um ben obano's is back in the squad as well in the backs you have george furbank and um, fraser dingwall that are 
in in the reckoning. Henry Slade has made his return. So, oof, it's there's. I think you ask a hundred or hundred rugby people what the English team will be. There's probably a hundred different teams that you can you can make up at the moment. I think, Sean, maybe let's go straight to the players because that will probably start some of the debates as to who should play, who should not play, et cetera, et cetera. Sean, which is a player that you are looking forward to seeing uh, from England? Oh, there's two, but I promised I wasn't going to do two. But Chandler Cunningham South is going to be the reason why England recover from losing Courtney Laws quicker. He's th- That's who he's going to be. Um, so I think the sooner they get him into the mix, the better. Another one, and someone that I'm so happy has got recalled and is back in the mix is Ben Spencer. Ben Spencer has been cooking for Bath. Basically, Cooks, close your ears. Finn Russell's allowed to play the way he can play because Ben Spencer's playing that way for Bath. He's leading everything. He's doing it all. Um, the game plan is kind of running through him more often than not. And that frees up Finn Russell to just do what he needs to do. I think the balance between Spencer and Russell is incredible. Um, and Spencer needs to get that that vibe going. Um, because yo, he's in great form at the moment and uh, the fact that he's only got four caps is quite wild. Cooks, you can reply back to our Finn slander um, and also tell us who your um, player you're looking <laughs> forward to is. I'm not falling into this trap in 2024. I'm a new man and I just <laughs> want to... I just uh, want to be wholesome this year and not fight any teams. <laughs> All my podcast, fellow podcast mates. Um... I think for England, the most two important players is probably Fraser Dingwall and Tommy Freeman because they're the ones who be playing twelve. Jeez, mm. England is it's <laughs> there's so many great twelves in the world at the moment, and none of them happen to be English. Like it's especially like in the even in the Premier League, they're just like there's no out and out English twelve standing out, and that that's that's a position they they they'll need to to cover very quickly so those two need wherever wherever i think probably freeman's probably in the front seat now so wherever borthwick goes with i mean they have to be competition i think because that's to have to have i mean i'm sure they'll go forward but to have obviously the 10 crosses where they're still not sure and now your 12 is not sure then henry slade comes comes back from the from the dead from nowhere and he gets picked again so that 10 12 13 is a bit shaky there so and I think at least they'll know that they have Slade there, 13, someone experienced. They have an experienced George Ford and a Marcus, but also who has been there. So 12 for me is such an important position for England because they need someone to make a stamp in that position because there's no, it's almost, the guys are picked, they're just picked because, the, like, I know they've been decent in the premiership, but no one is actually an English 12. Is, the, the best English centre has been Lawrence, but he's been playing at 13. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do in that in that position, so yeah, so Dingwall and Freeman, I think those are the two players that have to have a good Six Nations campaign for England for England to do well. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit off the beaten track. I am gonna say, in terms of like the balance and what you're talking about, I agree totally. I think they're a little bit shaky in a few places, and they need to kind of make a stamp early. But there's one player that hasn't been selected because of how he turned it um, a bit of confusion in what was happening, but I think England are going to miss someone in the mold of Jack Willis. Yeah, he's been playing so well for Toulouse at the moment. And I just, I'm not sure about how they're going to put that back row together properly. Um, it doesn't look 
doesn't look fantastic. I mean, Chandler Cunningham South's uncapped. Ben Curry's there. He's got five caps. Tom Pearson's got one cap. Ethan Roots is on debut. You've got Sam Underhill with 30, but Sam Underhill, great player, but like, how long is he going to last? He's like too luggy. And I was so surprised to see him back in the mix. He's obviously very talented. We know that, but that guy's taken a pounding his, his whole life. Yeah, they put- and then at eight, you've got Don Brunt or Earl. Shock if they if they've moved on Brown to blindside flank to try. I'm not gonna. I'm promising. I'm not. If I'm gonna not watch England, I'm gonna be so. I'm I'm, I'm tired of the Don Brandt, um experiment. Why why put that in in the universe? Because because who could do that? that? I, I I'm sick and tired of this Don Brandt experiment. We've tried it. We've seen it. Seen the movie. Got the ticket. It's not. It's 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 it's, it's not working. Don Brandt's in eight. Yeah. Between him and Earl, so he sits. He rides the pine because Earl's gonna. Stop. Yeah, Earl has to stop. Blindside, who you got? Chandler Cunningham South. Oh, that's tough. That's what I'm saying. Ethan I wouldn't be Brooks. surprised if they maybe, for a bit of experience, to shift Don Brown to, to blindside just for a game as a terms of experience. But I mean, because. Yeah, I got you. Damn you. Nicky Zique. Damn, damn you, Courtney Laws. Um, or oh, where's George Martin when you need him? And he's going to France. Yeah. So I think it's. Yeah. So, yeah, they've got so many holes. But. Lastly, sorry, Tyler, I mean, to go on the Ben Spencer point, I think also Alex Mitchell is also going to be very important. Both English nines are going to be, I mean, we saw how Alex Mitchell controlled that game with his boot in, the, in that semifinal where he can ask me again, I still don't know how the box won. Um, but um, I, I think the most, the England nines are going to carry so much of the heavy lifting, kicking-wise and running the game because of, you know, that he had been borrowing George Ford, the bit of inexperience and the bit of, not knowing the combinations of 12, 10, 12, 13. So Ben Spencer and Alex Mitchell also need to have a very good tournament. The only way Spencer's going to get in the match day 23 is if he absolutely knocks it out the park at training. Because Mitchell, not being in the World Cup squad, coming in and starting and just playing so well. And Danny Kerr is also, I mean, he's in great form at the moment. Spencer's unfortunately probably third if you're looking at things right now. Like he has to train out of his socks to get to get in the match day 23. I'd love him to because when he gets on the field, he's going to make a hell of a difference. Um, but sheesh, it's going to be tough picking two out of those three. Yeah, I think you guys have covered it quite well with you know the majority of the squad battles there. Just want to also throw out the possibility of um, uh, um, Oli Chesum playing at six um, as a potential... Um, Maro, Toje. The only solution, if they're short of a blindside, they'll start Maro there. Surely. Yeah, I mean they don't really have as many locks available um, as 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 maybe they'd they'd like, but you know, mm. is, mm. Isekwe is obviously a, a you know a four six type of um, player, but I think it's gonna pretty much be um, Chesum and Itoje um, probably starting with Isekwe coming off the bench. The one other place where there's gonna be an interesting competition is there's no more Carl Sinclair in the squad, so that does open up a place there in. Tight head because obviously Carl Sinclair has been pretty much the tight head for, um, for England, you know, for the last at least four or five years. Um, and I, the options are pretty much Dan Cole, who's 81, and um, Will Stewart, who, uh, you know, I don't think he's, I'm not the biggest Will Stewart fan. Oh, and Joe Hayes, obviously from, from Leicester. I'm not the biggest Stewart and Hayes fan. I think it's probably called to start and then Stuart off the bench. But yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Borthwick try to rotate from uh, with the three players. 
just to see, you know, who who does have, you know, the 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 ability to to hold their own, you know, a tight head for for the rest of the time. Because essentially, where England lost that game was when Carl Sinclair came on and Oxen Chair was the the reserve set for the box, having so cake. It pretty much cooked that whole game. So it's going to be interesting what England does their tight head. And look, there are some good young um, props coming through at England, and you know they'll. I'm I'm slightly surprised they haven't actually been selected for this squad, but I'm sure they'll be coming in the next few years. But you know, props usually only get good, you know, in their late twenties, early thirties. So it's going to be something but to. Dan to Cole do. must be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, well done. Uh, yeah, someone we haven't even mentioned <laughs> is um, Emmanuel <clears throat> Faye Waboso. Um, you know, the I mean, Warren Gatlin threw another grenade saying, you know players that choose to play for England instead of playing for Wales was really considered their life choices and all that sort of stuff. And No, did he say um, that? You know, some, some Welsh legend also is talking about if you don't want to play for Wales, don't play for Wales, all that sort of stuff. I mean, the dude just wants to finish his medicine degree and he's currently enrolled at the University of Exeter. Because of your dumb rule, Wales, that you can't pick anyone with more than with less than 25 caps, he's, he's tied there. So, you know, it's a bit of a fail there from Wales you know, trying to, I think they, Gatlin is kind of trying to like force the PR into like, you know, you have to play for Wales. Otherwise, you know, England will just use you and lose you basically. So yeah. But we know. Imagine Gatlin, he broke right. the rules to bring in an uncapped player. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. Oh, the shit would hit the fan. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Faye also, I mean, he's, he's been decent, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see if he can get into the team. So, England, um, their Six Nations run is they start in Rome against Italy, then they host Wales the next weekend, then they travel to Murrayfield for the Calcutta Cup, then the last two games are are Ireland at home and France away. So that is three away games for England um, in France, Scotland, and, and in Italy. Cooks, what's the pass mark for them? Oh, Tyler, this is probably the toughest one of all. I think, yeah, probably three wins. Um, I don't think they're good enough to beat Ireland or Ireland or France. So I think they'll, they'll be looking to obviously again be best the rest of Scotland. Um, I do think they're slightly better. Oh, them and Wales, either or. But I'm I'm gonna say they should win three. I think that should be the pass mark. But I mean, for them, the Six Nations probably is not as important as for most sides in terms of winning it. I think obviously. Just, Carrying the momentum from the World Cup and just building some more depth, um, yeah, they they I feel like this is the real start of their the Stuart Borthwick project. I think last season, obviously, they just you just put together a game plan to get them to the World Cup, but they are on the step one of the of the Borthwick run, and they are quite far behind other teams in terms of quality and combinations. Yeah, you know what? I think this is this for them. This is almost a free hit, like. They earned, I think, just enough credit with that semi-final loss that, you know what, England would understand as long as the performances keep improving if they get two or three wins. Like, relatively close losses that show that England does have a game plan, that, you know, their players are are, are being played in the right positions, that there is at least some attempt to to to, to use the talents that they have with the likes of Marcus Smith and, su- and such. You know, that will... Borthwick, I think, has this Six Nations as a bit of a free hit. And then, you know, 
they've got a small match of New Zealand in July, but at least for now, the main thing is just improve on performance and try to find some answers in these positions. Like we've talked about a few of their um, selection dilemmas. This is almost an experiment, experimentational Six Nations. He can start, he can kind of rely on that Eddie Jones, we bought him for the World Cup excuse for the Six Nations at least. Sean? I forgot they were playing New Zealand and that I think reinforces what, what in my mind, what I think they should be doing. They, they absolutely need to have fun in the Six Nations. They need to not be stuck in that work mode in that, oh, there's a cloud over my head, I'm having a shit time at work vibe. Like they really need to build on what happened in the World Cup and they need to have fun. They need to find themselves again. They need to just kind of settle as a group. What I will say, I think England will be the reason why France or Ireland don't win the Six Nations. Whether they take points off them or they draw or whether there's a, a draw or something happens, I think England are going to be the reason why. And um, yeah, they need to have fun and they need to, yeah, they need to enjoy it because they're going to have to go to New Zealand and as much as, as fun as it's going to be, Remember, going away, they get to get away from all the shit. They've basically been a chip and a putt away from home um, for a couple of years now, just getting abused. So I think going to New Zealand will be fun for them, regardless of the results. I think like when the Super Rugby teams in South Africa were just getting paced, it was really nice to go overseas for five weeks sometimes, you know? So that's where I think England are going to be, um, be in the mix. Um, but yeah, they'll be finishing third will, will be important for them. Mm. It's interesting to see how them in Scotland go about um, things in the next few months. So we're our fifth team now, which is Wales, which oof, it's going to be very difficult to talk <laughs> through this team because there's a lot of unknowns here. But essentially, you know, anyone that you knew from Wales from like the 2010s, they're pretty much all out, you know, either retired or they're not being picked anymore. They've moved out of Wales, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of youngsters. So if you're a URC fan, you're going to probably know some of the names that could feature for Wales. And it's clear, especially from what Gatlin's saying in, in, in interviews and such and making um, Daffod Jenkins as captain. And, you know, he's, you know, some of the young players that Gatlin could have picked, like um, Jack Morgan and Dowie Lake, he couldn't even pick for this um, Six Nations. But it's clear that Gatlin is trying. This is the first step into a four-year cycle. Gatland has made it clear. He's talked about it quite explicitly that the, he's building to 2027. Like He's pretty much given the message out to the fans that, you know what, this is just the start of, a, of, of, the, of the run here. And we are trying to build experience and build a team that can go far um, over the next four years. So you have to be patient with that. So Cooks, I mean, I guess it's quite clear that... Um, with Gatland and with this Wales team, I think the expectation should be that there's going to be maybe a different team every week. We're going to try to um, see what options they have and hopefully finally find you know some combinations and some players that they can run with um, over the next four years. Hundred percent, I think. Um, and and Gatland's never been shy of making changes, and obviously, I think you know almost similar to to Borthwick. I think Gatland also. This is Last year was obviously just we put put aside together to try and get to the World Cup, but I think this is definitely also rebuilding. Um, I, I I almost see Wales as a side that can ruin 
aside Six Nations, I mean, it's, it's still it's still very hard to to, to, to win in Cardiff. So, um, so I, I definitely think that I can see them spoiling a party potentially for a side or two. They could derail Scotland's campaign as it starts. Um, so I think they still be very dangerous. I mean, there's still enough quality in there. I mean, they, they lose. I mean, with Wainwright and uh, Tommy Turnovers, Tommy Raffle, still two high quality players in there. And then you still, I mean, George North is um. He's the last kicks of a dying horse. They used to he's still around, but um, I mean, there's, there are some youngsters who put their who put, who put their hands up in the U- in in the URC. So, um, URC and obviously some guys for Cardiff. I mean, who are the most unlikeliest team to be playing the Champions Cup, but um, but I, I, it's it's a hard one, especially when the coach says, "Listen, guys, we we are rebuilding." But I've always figured with Warren Catlin, he's always. One, I hope this year is actually wants to stay in the job and not going. I'm um, actually, and they've told him all the all the disadvantages and all the messes he inherited, and he's actually keen to keep stay on the job. Um, and 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 Catlin's always good for one big one a season. That's that that's that's for me. The Catlin effect is still there, so I wouldn't be surprised him to see him obviously like beating a Scotland or even nicking a game against England. Or that's for, I think Scotland Scotland England for them is going to be the two big ones, and then Catlin and. Um, yeah, I just can't see them obviously winning a game against France and Ireland. And not losing to Italy, of course. Sean, um, yeah, as Cooks has said, there's still a, f- a lot of quality players in, in the in the squad, players that are doing well in their clubs all around Europe. You know, Will Rowlands is back in the squad now. Um, we know how good Adam Beard is. He's, um, Cooks has mentioned Rafael. You know, there's still... They've got really a, a nice scrum off group, you know, with Davies, Hardy, and Williams. Um, Josh Adams is still a factor. Nick Tompkins is obviously, a, you, you know, you love him as a player as well. So, you know, there is the the bones of a pretty good team aren't there. But just if Wales has an injury crisis, it's almost overs for them. Yeah, they they've got like they've got a good starting fifteen, but then after that they struggle. Cooks, you're right. They are going to cause a hassle somewhere. Um, but, uh, and, and it's only because they're, they're going to push their, their starting side long or they're going to have got the upper hand early and then, the, and then the bench gets to hold on, you know? So it's going to be quite interesting to see how they go. I'm going to change the subject a little bit. Can we talk about Welsh eligibility? How does it work? Because they've got Archie Griffin in, who's a prop but he plays for Bath. He's uncapped. Then Daffer Jenkins, their captain, he plays for the Chiefs, Exeter. He's only got 12 caps. And then Tommy Rafael plays for Leicester. He's got 13. How does, how does that work? Uh, no one knows, to be honest. I think Archie. it's, if, you, if you're within your contract when the, when the rule was made, you can still play for Wales. But someone like Hawkins, who signed a new contract, obviously to move to Exeter, he can't play for because uh, he was playing Wales. in Wales when he got capped. Yeah, I think that's the that's the system. But it does, yeah. Like uh, someone made this tweet that you have oh, the Welsh captain in the same club as someone that chose not to play for Wales because he chose England because he wanted to finish his medical degree, and someone that was playing for Wales but then stopped playing for Wales because he moved to Exeter. So those those yeah. three same players on the right in the same club. And if I'm not mistaken, Jenkins was capped when he was at Exeter. I don't think, I think he's always been at Exeter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. We'll get some feedback, so I'm me- sure. Yeah. Look, I think this is the year that 
pretty much everyone starts picking their players regardless of where they're located. Um, Cooks has talked about New Zealand getting into this. I think Australia and um, Schmidt's going to talk to Australia about this. I think Wales is going to fall into this as well. Well, they're going to have to, I think. So England, Ireland, France, Australia, New Zealand are the only teams left playing players that are not based on their soil. Okay, so let's look into players that you're looking forward to seeing. I mean, if there's a, a minefield of players you can choose. I, I've, I've heard a few things about this Mackenzie Martin that plays for Cardiff. <gasps> that was my guy. Oh, that was my guy. Okay, Sean, I'll let, you, I'll let you go for it. Okay, my guy. You probably might have heard of him, but Mackenzie Martin. He's uh, uncapped. He's a youngster, though. He's 20. He's uncapped, and he, and he plays for Cardiff. But I, I think that he's one to watch. I just don't know how they're going to get him into the mix, you see. So that's the thing that I, I'm a little I'm interested in, how, the, how they get him, get him to play. Um, but when he does come on, I think he's going to make a difference. And it's good to see Aaron Wainwright back. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as usual, Wales have a wealth of options at, at lose forward. You Did know, I steal your guy? Got, yeah, you've got, you know, Tom Riffel, <laughs> you've got Tane Basham, you've got um, James Botham. Alex Mann is also someone that, um, but he's a bit old, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, he's someone that is also uncapped that could also make a feature in, in the squads later. So yeah, I think there's there's not many squad or, 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 or starting team places that are fully secured by any of the Wales players right now. I think pretty much every cap or every, sorry, every jersey in the starting team is up for grabs. Um, Cooks, do you have a player that you're looking forward to seeing? I think they'll need a spark. I think they'll need someone, especially in the backs, to get them, to ignite them. I think it's um, someone like Rio Dyer has been in the, obviously he's been in and out of the side and we've seen glimpses, but I think for Wales, they'll be looking for him because he's probably going to be one of the more experienced players now, for him to sort of reignite that back, that back three and sort of be a spark, especially without uh, Rezamit. I think they'll be looking to for Rio Dyer to be that, that, that extra quality out wide and also a person that can create something out of nothing. So I think he's due a big World Cup, but we will come in Six Nations. But I'm looking at all the experienced guys. I mean, Nick Tompkins has got to be has got to be very good. George Norris has got to step up. I think it's going to be a big one. They need the experienced guys to carry them through. If they if if they don't have a good Six Nations, someone like Wales can pick them. I mean, like Italy can pick them off, and that's. And that and and that it could go it could go very very wrong if the experienced guys don't 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 don't, don't show for Wales. Who's going to play fifteen? That's my question. The only fullback they've got listed in their squad is Cameron Winnett, who's uncapped. But on that, they don't really what Kai Evans maybe, but also very green. I don't know. I can't remember. I'm sure I've seen him play. But Josh Adams. Mr. Fixit, Josh Adams, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Fixit. <laughs> they don't have they don't until have they play Ireland. Not <laughs> until they play Ireland. <laughs> but that's that's risky. Yeah. That's very risky. I mean, do they have I mean who are the fifteen options playing, you know, in domestic rugby? I don't know. You, I mean. you get Lee Halfpenny back, just the same as you can't let I mean, look what Fabian Galtier did. Two guys. We want to retire. How's about no? That's what they yeah. should have said to Courtney Laws, <laughs> and that's what they should have said to Lee Halfpenny. Nobody, we will kick you out of the country. If you want to live yeah. here still with your family, you're playing for us. 
Yeah, I love that. Until we find a replacement, you are playing. Did have I heard right? Does Lee Hoff pity with the Crusaders? Yes. 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 What the He's hell? It's in Tala. Don't 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 when we when you don't super at the moment. All the, Razor took all his flipping age mates and made them all coach the All Blacks. Now there's like Russell's <laughs> coaching Eve Super Rugby side because I've come back from the past. I was like Lee Halfpenny is playing Ryan Crotty's back. I'm like John Foa. Yeah, John Foa. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on in Super Rugby at the moment. That is yo uh, uh, guys. I don't know what who's coaching who. Willie um, Hines went back there as well. <laughs> yeah, Willie Hines is back. Hey, uh, uh, Super Rugby's. It's like yeah, flipping. I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Graham Henry's in coaching one of the sides. <laughs> don't rule it out, especially with the Blues. Yeah, look, I think you mentioned a lot of the players. Mason Grady, you can add to that list as well. I mean, obviously, he's been playing a lot of wing um, the last few months. You know, sounds like a Alex Cuthbert region, like just maybe even George North, if you want to go that route, like just someone that's just a massive human being that can cause a lot of um, trouble for, for a team. And yeah, looking forward to seeing Will Rowlands um, play international rugby again. Like he left just as he was, you know, putting together some really high-class um, performances in international jerseys. So it's going to be good to see him back. I mean, between Jenkins, Rollins, and Beard, you've got a good rotation of blocks there. Obviously, Jen- Jenkins is the captain and the young player, but between Rollins and Beard, you've got really, really good blocks. I mean, pity about their front row. There's, like, absolutely no one left. Like, I don't think they t- I think their tight ends all don't aren't starters for their... For their club teams or something crazy like that. So, Declan oh, Fat shamed the props away from Wales. I mean, more, oh, yeah. <laughs> let's let's not go into the pre World Cup camp, which was the most horrible, <laughs> the worst um, series of Survivor I think we've ever seen. Was was that World Cup camp? Eddie Jones, uh, Eddie Jones, hold my beer. I just want to cheese. This is my back three lineup for Wales this weekend. Mason Grady. The one wing, Rhea Dyer, the other wing, Josh Adams at 15. It's the only way I think it'll work. Yeah, that sounds like something Ireland and France will completely tear up. Um, Speaking of, in terms of expectations, um, Wales, their Six Nations journey is they hosting Scotland. They then go um, to Twickenham to play England, then away again to play Ireland. And then the last two games are home games against France and Italy. So three home games for them. Um, their two away games are England and Ireland. Cooks, I can only really see them having one win here. Yeah, me too. Um, think and, may, and look, I mean, we'll talk about Italy just now. Maybe not even that. Yeah, not even that. No, 100%. Um, Italy bare minimum to... Two would be great. Three is a bonus. That's I think, I think that will be three is a big big bonus. Um, so I think there'll be around two wins. I think the the two wins, uh, yeah, I, I I could see them knocking off. So I mean the two wins obviously between Wales and Scotland. I mean England and Scotland. That's the two big ones that they'll be targeting. But um, yeah, I think the, I think it's gonna be a tough one campaign for Wales humding against Italy. Sean, do you have a bit more hope that they can maybe pull something out, especially Scotland and England? We know that they can 
get mesmerized by Wales's bullshit and, and, and lose a game against them. <laughs> that you mentioned the record about Scotland in Wales, so there's that. Um, but I think uh, what will define the Six Nations for Wales, obviously not losing to Italy is one of them, but the big one I think is beat England. I think if they can kind of get by, like beat Italy, get by against Scotland, maybe win, and then I think they will want to target England um, at Twickenham. They'd love it, and they've done it before. So that would probably be their benchmark. Yeah, look, England win, I think pretty much that's a great Six Nations for them. Let's go to Italy, and Italy... They the main change they made is to their coach. So Gonzalo Casada comes in, and their squad is more or less the squad that they had in the World Cup. You know, some players that were injured, like Menangelo coming back. But yeah, pretty much the, the players are playing well um in, in for Benetton and Zebre and all over the world at the moment. Cooks, yeah, I mean, Italy's last two games were not good, to say the very least. <laughs> Gonzalo Casada was asked about that and how you how you would sort of build or like go away from that. And he I think he was trying to like if he had the words, he would have said, like, you must get that thing from um the men in black and just make the Italy players just forget about those two games. <laughs> I don't the neuralizer. The neuralizer. I don't blame him at all. I think that's what those last two games is putting a blender uh, in the uh, Put a bit all together, mix it up, and never and, and never ever see it again. I think Italy's got a chance to win two games here. I think that's the standard for them, because you look at they they don't have as many changes as say England or say Wales. Um, new coach, obviously. I think def, I think Kieran Crowley did a good job. I think you know, Gonzalo Casetti is, is inheriting a good squad that could be hurt from their World Cup campaign. That didn't do as well as 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 well as they wanted to do, so that they'll be hurting from that. And I think he's gonna demand a lot more from them. And I definitely think from Italy, one win definitely against Wales. But I mean England, that's 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 the one they're probably looking at like, oh, we can we can do we can do something there. And yeah, especially now with how good Benetton is playing and Zebra are playing, like they've. They've they've really improved um, in 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 the URC and some of their best players are really big um, key players in their clubs as well. You know the Tommaso Allens and Paolo Garbisi's are you know leading players for in the top fourteen. Sean, I think moving to you know I think the main thing about Italy that was an issue last year was they just refused to kick. <laughs> And they had like a 10, 20 minutes period of just forgetting how to play rugby, which let in, you know, the, the, the other teams to, to beat them. Yeah, <clears throat> that's very true. I forgot about that. <laughs> there are so many times where you're like, if you just kick the ball away, you'll probably do better. Um, there's a lot of changes that are going to happen. And as Cooks mentioned, and all of us knows, is Quesada has, is, have I pronounced that uh, probably a, that but anyway my apologies he's inherited a, a quality side a, a good squad a bunch of players that are that have got a good vibe amongst themselves and i think that is so important with a lot of things the only thing that could go wrong is, is if they're not gelling too well with him that could change the dynamic but we obviously want to build on what they've done and they announced him to take over um before the world cup so 
is obviously they're hoping and they're probably seeing that it'll be a good fit. They have a real chance of winning two games. Um, the thing is, is if you look, if you look at Wales, if you look at England, they're a little bit mentally weak at the moment. And so are Italy if you get on top of them early. But if you don't get on top of them early, they are going to, they're, they're going to stay in the game. They're, they're, that side that if they stay in the game, that they've, all, they've got all the chances to win it. Um, you, you've got to get rid of them really early. If you put your, your thumb on them and you squish them early, you, you will be in a good place. But the thing about the Italian side is you could score 21 points against them and they could score 21 or 25 afterwards. Um, they do have that in them, which makes it exciting. And it's great for the Six Nations because people want to watch the Italy games. So England, Italy, Wales, Italy, Scotland, Italy are going to be well-watched games because the, 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 the non-fans of the other teams, are going to, they're going to be hoping Italy are winning. So I think it's going to be a, a good Six Nations for them. Okay, Sean, player that you're looking forward to watching. A new South African has been named in the side, Ross Vincent. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him get a mix, get in the mix and, uh, and increase our SAFAs abroad internationals. Mm. So just tell us very quickly about Vincent. Like, yeah, he plays for Exeter. Uh, what kind of player is he? No idea. Um, he was born in <laughs> he was he was born in Joburg. Great analysis. He, played, he, he was play, he played um, um, under twenties for for Italy. Um, I've watched him a couple times for Exeter, but yeah, um, very handy. So looking forward to it. <laughs> that was good enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He went to Bishops. I that think... was the other thing I know. <laughs> Yeah, I think he might be someone that yeah could could be in that loose trio for Italy. But I mean, they've got a lot of uh, talent with Lamaro, Zolani, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Books, who are you looking forward to seeing? I think um, the big one is has to be for me is a Monte Ioni make a little player of the tournament chart. Yes, I think Ooh, that's, yes. that's 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 going to be a big one. I think obviously we saw last year they got the ability to score tries, and uh, Monte's going to be a, a a big big key in that. So that's my guy. Yeah. Love it. If if Ross wasn't in the squad, he was my man. I love watching Monty play. He's got such a vibe about him. Yeah, I mean, he's also been quite good for Leon as well, like causing some havoc there. Um, I will go for um, Lorenzo Canoni, who's, I think, um, uh, we've had Angus on the pod a few times and at Analyst Gus, you know, obviously just a stat head for anything rugby related. And he was talking about effective ball carriers. And Kanoni was the one that was, you know, had like high number of carries and was beating defenders per carry and had a lot of meters. Like he was basically near the top of all of those um, categories. So he was effectively pretty much the best carrier in the in the URC. We, you know, he's only 22, which is ridiculous. Like he's got so much growth that he can uh, get as a as a number eight in the in the international level, and you know. He's someone that can really be in that best eight in the world conversation really soon, sooner rather than later, actually. So he's someone that is a really good um, carrier. He's someone that is obviously great with the ball in hand as well. He does all of his basics too. And, you know, with him, you've got Lamara at seven. You've got a bit of competi- competition with, you know, Negri's probably going to play six, but then on the bench, you can either play Vincent or Alessandro Isacol, who's a player that plays quite well for Benetton and, and makes a good impact. Like there's a lot of players that you can just put in and out there um, in, into the team. And just very quickly, want to also just shout out um, uh, Tommaso Menoncello. He's obviously he wasn't able to play in the World Cup, so he's yeah 
looking forward to seeing him play as well. And yeah, hopefully whoever plays nine for Italy, hopefully it's not Varney and Barbisi, but just, you know, a box kick or two. It won't hurt you at all. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to Italy because I think um Casada is much of, is he's all about playing winning rugby and not trying to attract, you know, play attractive rugby, which is what Crowley used to do. So he's yeah, he's someone that, yeah, I think will play some more pragmatic rugby. So Cooks has said already that he thinks Italy could sneak in two wins. So Italy's um fixtures are they 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 start with England at at home. They've got a horrible record against England. They just seem to never not even get close, but they always seem to be thrashed by England, regardless of what the form is. So a good, you know, good result against them, even maybe a surprise win, that would be a great start for them. Then they go away to Ireland and the France. Those two weekends are just gonna be terrible for them. But they've got, you know, they 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 can run them close when they when they're on form. And then a Scotland at home and Wales away. So yeah, Cooks, you know what? I'll jump onto the bandwagon. Two wins for Italy. England and one of Wales or Scotland, probably Wales. Sean? That is a good shot. And I tell you, Italy facing England first up, I think, is great for them, for Italy. Um, so, yeah, they can get two wins. This, I mean, imagine, imagine they beat England and imagine they, who they got first between Scotland and Wales. I think you said Scotland. Like, uh, draw Scotland, to Scotland. Yeah. Draw to Scotland, beat Wales. Thanks for coming. Best finish ever. Yeah. Okay, so I think final predictions. Let's do champion, play of the tournament, and wooden spoon. I'll start. Uh, France champion, uh, wooden spoon Wales. Sorry, guys. And play of the tournament, yeah, I said it earlier, Peter Movaka. Uh, Sean? France, Grand Slam it. I think Italy will wooden spoon after everything I've said. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and... Um... <laughs> Um, sheesh. Bilberry, player of the tournament. Ooh, I like it. And then Cooks. Ooh, France Grand Slam. Wales. Yes, um, boy. Yes. No, I'm going to be tricky. No, I know Wales, Wales. I was going to say England, but now I'm being spicy. Um, <laughs> Wales, Wooden Spoon. Gregory Aldrit, player of the tournament. And World Rugby yes. Player of the Year 2024. That's my statement. I like it. Yeah, That's look, Six Nations owes him one because one of the DuPont ones was given to him. Oh, sorry, DuPont, just automatically... sorry, DuPont played the tournament. DuPont. <laughs> no, no, DuPont. After, playing in the World, after playing in the Sevens World Cup. Oh, by the way. <laughs> All he needs to do is just go to a single practice and he's going to be nominated for... <laughs> they just need to see him also... in the stands. If they just yeah, see him in and... the stands for one game. <laughs> yeah. And also, don't forget, um, you'll be nominated for Sevens Player of the Year next year already. It's in, it, that's one name in already. So, yeah, so I think I'm telling you, Aldrit, uh, Six Nations Player of the Year and World Rugby Player of the, of the Tournament and World Rugby Player of the Year, Damien Villas of 2025. Book it. It's coming. It's happening. Um, Ooh, this is the, I like I'm it. I'm foretelling this. Yeah, actually, that also would be a good first phase, Sean. Yeah, there's been a lot of ideas today, but. Predict your four player, world player of the years for the next four years. That'll be really nice Love as it. well. One is going to be DuPont. Let, let, let's, let's, that's going to happen. <laughs> like, so predict, predict three. <laughs> one is going to be DuPont one of those years. Yeah. And will a South African win one? That's also the big question from the next few years. Cooks, and when will props get for... recognized? 
oh no, that's not happening. We don't do that in rugby. Ox, Ox will be the first. Jeez, Ooh, I'd yeah. love that. I would love yeah. that. If if Furlong, who's pretty much the most pop, prop, popular prop that you know has played in the last like ten or twenty years, if he doesn't win one or hasn't even gone close to being even nominated, then yeah, I don't know if Ox will ever. But does he like cake? He likes spuds, which is almost as important. Ah. <laughs> uh. Guys, yeah, let's end it off there. We've got a few predictions. We are all going Le Bleu to win the Six Nations. I think maybe not a Grand Slam, but yeah, I, I can see the road to the Grand Slam. We've talked about a few players that we're looking forward to seeing, and yeah, some of the things are happening in all of these teams. So let's end it off there, and we want to thank you for listening to the Rugby Bits um, podcast. We're going to definitely have a lot of... We're going to probably pick up the, the the podcast recording rates, especially when we have Six Nations to 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 talk about and to discuss now. Um, there'll be still some smart, smattering of um, domestic rugby happening. Cook's favorite tournament, the Super Rugby, is about to start as well. We're going to see if Lee Hoffpetty and Ryan Crotty can drive Crusades to the eighth one in a row. There's a lot to look forward to. So let's, yeah, thank you so much for, for supporting us. Thank you for following us on social media. Please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast or whatever podcast provider that you use. And, you know, please tell anyone that's a rugby fan about our lovely show. And we will definitely talk to you later this week. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye.